Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. They put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. I don't really need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom. Oh, I'm sure there's some math. So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, landing a rocket on a drone ship is key. Charger, 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 <laughs> charger. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safety. Charger, charger, charger. <laughs> you know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. You don't even have to I remember that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. It's that time of the month again, and I don't know what time of the month or how often in the month we do the show, but it's that time of the month where we do the show, which is right now, which is Talking Tesla 189. We're recording December 8th, and uh, I'm with uh, some friends. You are? Where are they? I don't see oh, any. That's, I didn't, that's great. Is somebody in the <laughs> room with you? I that's mean, we, we, were friends in, we were friends until about like a half an hour ago when Joel asked us a very... What I consider to be prickish question via boxer and yeah. and really yeah. only to raise our ire. Mm-hmm. So Joel, would you like to let the listeners in on your little your little fancy Wait a second, I got I got to I got to pop another Prozac. Hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know uh S&P uh inclusions coming and the price of uh Tesla stock is pretty high. Uh and pretty, I was just thinking It's pretty high. It's pretty high. I, I was just wondering, you, you'd mentioned on the last show that you'd put a $5,000 deposit down. Do you remember when that was on your Model X? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty pretty soon after they started accepting deposits. There was a little bit of a delay in me like arguing with my wife about, like, we're never going to buy one of these cars. Why do I got to put a deposit down on it? That's ridiculous. Turns out I was right. We were never going to buy one of those cars, but that didn't stop me from putting a deposit down. So it was sometime in the neighborhood, let's call it between like February and July 2012-ish in that in that range. And 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 I believe at the time Tesla ranged from like $6 to $20. Now this is this is pre-split as well, so you tell me, Joel. Okay. Ball, so- ball, ballpark this for me. Reveal um, on the reveal, um, the the price was six dollars and thirty six cents. Divide that oh, by five. Like, uh, oh no! Divide oh, you're five? using the new. You're using the new stock price after the split. Uh, yeah, yeah. So well, it has to be after the split because that's a big factor. So six. That, so basically, what at at six dollars, a five thousand dollar investment would have been how many shares approximately? Like. Uh, you know, I didn't even look at the number of shares. Just call it a thousand. Just call it a thousand. Yeah, yeah. A thousand. Let's say let's say a thousand shares invested thousand around shares. six dollars, and now those mm-hmm. f- thousand shares are five thousand shares. Correct? At no, at, that's uh, that's not considering no, the no. split. Just multiply the current stock price by a thousand, and that's what you would have right now. Go. Yeah. So the stock the stock went up five hundred and ten times. Um. Since that Get up half a million it. dollars, Tom. No, but that doesn't. But that doesn't. That doesn't actually dollars. take into account the split. It doesn't. It does. Oh no, no, no! I'm counting the split too. Yeah, the stock. Tom, you put five hundred thousand dollars down on that X. <laughs> so it's the 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 stock price was about six dollars and thirty six cents. 
Um, mm -hmm. And the current price is, uh, well, we could ask uh, Alexa what the, Alexa, what's the, the current Tesla Sorry, price? I don't know that. Alexa, what, what's a Tesla price stock? God, I didn't say that well at all. <laughs> this might answer Alexa, your question. Can you teach Joel market? how to speak? <laughs> Tesla's trading at $649.88 on the NASDAQ, up 1.27% since previous close. Okay, so she 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 did it. Um, Six hundred and forty nine dollars and eighty eight cents, and I don't know why I said it like that. Um, so, uh, including the split, it's gone up five hundred and ten times. So your five thousand dollar investment, I'm um, sorry, your five thousand dollar non investment um, is <laughs> is not two point five five million dollars. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's that's painful. Yeah, but that's, I I don't want to be mean to you, Tom. Tom, I don't want to be mean to you because no, you're no, a nice however, guy. What I what I'd like to say to all of you in the yeah. in this what what year did you buy your first Teslas? Where you paid I don't know how much money for these vehicles, Melvis. What year did you buy your first Tesla? Well, let me just if I if I may. Uh, <laughs> Because Joel has brought this up because he's such a sweet guy. Everybody thinks, oh, Joel's so sweet and he knows things. Let me tell you exactly what this guy is. Let me explain. So I bought a Tesla, I think, in 2015 for uh -huh. God knows how much, sixty dollars or $80,000. And then I leased a Tesla, an X, giving them thousands of dollars a month. And then I've had five Teslas through leases over the years. And I've got Powerwalls and I've got Tesla Solar and I've given grants to uh, my employees to buy Tesla power walls and solar. So I believe that if we do the math the way Joel is hazarding us do right now, that I've put in approximately $8.7 billion into this company. And I just want to cry. Wait, wait. So, so actually, this is, this is really intriguing because like really what could have happened was I could have all, not invested money in Tesla, which I did not do. And you could have not purchased any of those Teslas. And then if, if you would have just given me all of that money, it probably would have still been about $2.4 million. <laughs> the $2.4 million is all from you. It's all mine. I gave that to you, Tom. <laughs> but I do I, think it's funny that you did put $2.5 million down on a deposit <laughs> for a car. That's weird. That's great. It seems you know, excessive. Mel, seems I forgot excessive. that you leased that Model X. Let's say you bought the Model X. That would be because the price uh, was around forty dollars by the time the X came out, and that was um, that would be about you know based on what you said you had for options, about eight and a half million dollars. <laughs> wow! So if you, had, if, you had, did, if you didn't buy the first two cars and held on to the money, um, and then cashed out today, you could buy every single one of your employees a new. <laughs> model three or model y and you'd oh still God. have probably i mean we we didn't we should do the number next week like how much all everything you purchased you probably could have bought them all cars including us it's so painful and you it's would so still painful. have plenty of money left over eight our walls everything four million just on the model x dude just on the model x i'm glad you guys are doing this because i have developed <laughs> An incredibly large ulcer. I've been having melana every single day for the last, I don't know how many months. And I've looked over my balcony. I'm not going to jump, but I've looked yeah. over my balcony because this is just 
a devastating thing yeah. to do. I don't know Although, why we're you know doing what? it. It's not. It's not. Because, I mean, you could say the same thing about Amazon. You could say the same thing about Microsoft. Well, you, you guys used to. thing about Apple. You right? guys you used could, to do this about Apple, like every yeah, yeah, 15th yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. And, like, it was like, oh, I bought five laptops. What would that, that'd be worth? I don't know. Like some small nation somewhere probably at this point, you know. But uh, it's probably a good thing to think about. And it's going to come up later when I talk about one of the articles that if you really think something's so wonderful and is amazing that you're going to put down a significant deposit for something you won't see for a few years, you probably should put some money into that stock if you if really you, believe in it that much. Although, let's be honest, there was a point maybe up until like less than a year ago that we were all like, it was a coin flip whether Tesla survived, mm -hmm. right? So you are definitely taking, it's, it's much riskier. Is it more risky to invest in a car company that might go out of business or more risky to buy a car from a company that might go out of business? Yeah, I've actually, I've had that thought a lot because at the beginning there, I was thinking, should I lease it? Somebody said, you should just lease it and put that extra cash into the company. And I was like, are you kidding me? This company doesn't look that solid. How many times did they put off the Model X? How many times did they put off releasing it? Like it was two years. We yeah. just harped on that stuff over and over. And I can't say that we were the best uh, visionaries. Uh, we talked about the, the supercharger network and how like barely anything was going on with the supercharger network. And it was just painful to watch them kind of burp through this first few years. And then I have some numbers I'll give after Mel. They'll, but we, if you go back, we did say like, this has the potential to become a multi-trillion dollar company. It might not, it might become a zero dollar company, but it could be a multi-trillion dollar company. And since investing in stock market is gambling, um, I didn't buy Tesla stock because I thought we, sh I shouldn't for the show. It was stupid. I should have just bought it. But um, since it's gambling, I should have put some money towards that gamble because it could have gone either way. And if I won, I would have won big. But that's okay. I'm fine. I'm just fine. Thanks, Joel. So uh, in the month that I bought my Tesla, which was June of 2013, my first car, the stock was $20 a share. And, so and how I much did you pay for that car? Uh, 89000 with everything. Oh. And that would have been 4,450 <laughs> shares. 4,450, which is times five, which is 20,000 No, no, again, I think that when we look this stuff up, everything's been no. adjusted for the split. No, Even it's if, not. Those are, those are pre-split prices that you're looking at. So it was it was It was actually $17 when it first got IPA'd. So IPO'd. IPO'd. Yeah, but it was languishing. IPA is like, something it, else. It, it languished for 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 quite a while there. Yeah, I think those are pre those are pre split numbers. So that would have been yeah. like almost eleven or twelve million dollars. <laughs> it's super painful. It's about the same. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just no matter how you slice it, this is not a very painful conversation. Which is why, you know, this is Joel's last show. So I just want to ask uh, Robert, if uh, you had an extra $12 million in the bank, would you be risking your life with an N95 mask seeing multiple COVID patients? I would probably you be, would. be uh, sitting at home? No, I probably would. Oh, I love my work. Guy. I mean, it's like, it's, I've asked myself that a lot over the last nine months as I 
continue to slog through and see more and more and more people with this horrific virus. And also know that there's, but there's so many people out there on the street that have it that may not even know it. So yeah. Well, you could ask yourself this question, Mel. So we get serious for a minute, right? Like you're now seeing COVID patients as part of like the overflow surge. Yeah. You don't need to be doing that in any way, shape or form, but you're doing it. So like that's, you know, the answer is like you guys do this because that's your calling. It's what it's what you're capable of doing and it's how you serve. So, yeah. uh, you know, no amount of money is going to get in the way of that. I, I would imagine. Oh, there's, I'm sure there's a number. <laughs> somebody, I mean, say, I don't somebody know. says I'll I give mean, you a billion I know you, dollars not to I know you pretty well dude and I don't want to give away too many of your secrets but my guess is that number if you opened your phone you'd probably see a number pretty close to whatever that number should be but but you're still out there and I, and I respect that very very much and even more out there sure. than you've been in the past woo woo yeah. I mean, I'm surprised like you can even see patients. How heavily are you relying on your nurses and PAs right now for information oh, and medical? They're basically carrying me around. <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's amazing how quickly you lose it. But I'm just there. Mostly I'm there for rah-rah. You're all doing a great job. That guy over there is pretty sick. That guy over there is pretty sick. You're all doing a great job. Let me go get you some coffee. Let's go. That's how I'm doing my shifts. Oh. Uh. That's pretty amazing. All right, so we should move on. And should we talk this. about something a little bit more light? Like, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking water. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> it's good for you and keeps me not making worse fun of you people. Oh, Joel's drinking something yellow. God, is that urine? <laughs> no, it's warm water, I, I, I think. That's not water. Is it salty, Joel? <laughs> Do you know where your kids are right now? They That's like right. to play tricks on you. <laughs> what are you drinking, Robert? I'm drinking a Southampton. Oh, what Ooh, is that, Robert? That? You fancy little man. It's uh, a glass full of ice with mm-hmm. uh, like three uh, dashes of bitters, lime juice, and tonic water. There's no alcohol in that. No, <laughs> a, there isn't. Sound, it's, it's a virgin. It's very, it's very that's nice. A, that's a that's a virgin's beverage, but it does sound lovely. I love I love a good bitters. Love, yeah. love a good bitters. Um, I don't have any. Uh, so let's keep moving along. I don't have any software updates in terms of the car to change from the last show. I don't think anybody else does. So we can just we'll bypass that section. Somebody put in a whole gigantic section of like this episode. Apparently, we have sponsors for this episode of Talking Tesla. I don't know who put this in, but it's very excited. So this episode of Talking Tesla is sponsored by you, the listener, and the 218 Patreon supporters that we have. And we are, again, very, very grateful for you providing us the ability to continue to do this show uh, for you each and every time we decide to do it. I won't say each and every week because, well, we all we all know that it's not it's each like and a week and a half. So if you want to continue to support the show, tell your friends. If you give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that's always great for us. Support us more on Patreon. Tell friends about it. Go to TalkingTesla.net to support uh, forward slash support. And if you want to use our referral code, what's this referral code? Go ahead. Talking Tesla. Oh, TalkingTesla.net forward slash referral. The new guy created some software that randomizes our referral codes, which is, you know, 
ridiculous. You all know you want to use my referral code. Why would you, you not? You can still go to the host and then pick theirs if you really love them. But, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I would have to say that I use the randomizer because I was checking out the new website uh, uh-huh. or at least the upgraded website. And you know whose referral code came up seven out of 10 times? Joel. No. Because he wrote the software. Mel. Oh. And then Whoa. two out of 10 times, it was Tom. And I had <laughs> mine came up once. And I thought, okay. I see where this yeah. is going. That's pretty random. That seems <laughs> random. <laughs> that's, that's great random. I like that. Mel's been coding in his spare time. He's like, that's good code, Joel. Let me take a look at this. Tickety, tickety, yeah. tickety, tickety, tickety. And that was the um, other so- thing that kind of chapped my hide was that it came out at the same, I mean, I did that at the same mm-hmm. time, another Tesla YouTuber sent out this, like, I think it may have been one, more than one that they had gotten the notice on their like Tesla app that they have not one, but two roadsters coming to them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and a couple a of other people board. have at least one roadster coming to them. Nah, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't want to pay the taxes. So, you know, whatever. It's okay. Well, I guess you could sell the second one. Sell the second one, pay the taxes on the first mm-hmm. one. Duh. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to hear about it. At, at least you're not rich terrible. rebuild who lost to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's. That's a good point as well. So let's talk about a new EV that's that's taking the market by storm. There's a new, it's a three-wheel EV. It's called the Aptera, and they are now currently taking orders for an EV. And this EV doesn't need uh, Charge America. This doesn't need light pole charging. It doesn't need supercharging. This thing is is could theoretically be charged by purely the sun now not necessarily the sun while you're driving it but there will be this thing has a drag coefficient of 0.13 which is almost zero when it comes to like drag coefficient so it's it's super duper efficient it expends only 100 watt hours of energy per mile which i think is about three three times less than i get in the model three yeah so that's pretty impressive. They think Crazy. there's going to be potentially a version of this car with a 100 kilowatt hour battery. And what that means with a 0.13 drag coefficient is about a thousand miles of range. So you fully charge this thing a thousand miles. If you don't drive very much and it sits out in the sun, the solar panel just on the roof can generate potentially up to 40 miles of range a day. Now, this is not while you're driving because it can't it can't produce energy that that quickly. And then there's an option to add a, a panel to the hood and the hatch to add another 24 miles of range potentially. So it could be like up to 64 miles of range a hmm. day just from the sun in, in sunny areas. So that's pretty impressive. Pricing will range... From twenty five point nine twenty five thousand nine hundred to around forty six thousand, depending on the option, and obvious, and they made a variant with higher ground clearance, tougher wheel fairings, and an integrated tent and awning, proving that there is no corner of the transportation universe that is untouched by the craze for overlanding. Imagine a thousand mile range, you're sitting out there and your thing is, you're in a tent and it's charging at the same time. I think I want one. It's pretty cool looking. It's got two wheels in the front and a single wheel in the back. Gentlemen, any thoughts about the Aptera? Yeah, you don't. It's basically a motorcycle, but you don't have to have a motorcycle license to drive it. 
And the drag coefficient is so low that uh, I actually watched, um, uh, what's his name, Jay Leno driving it. And he said that when he took his foot off the accelerator, it glided for so long, it was almost like, uh, it reminded me of when my Tesla is charged up to go on a trip and I charge it to 100%. You lose that regen of the braking and it feels really odd. I mean, I'm like, oh right. my God, the brakes. And, uh, and evidently that's how it feels. And he said there's like no wind noise and it sounds like it drives really nice and it's got some pretty peppy acceleration. Um, this is the zombie apocalypse car. So when all the zombies come and all the infrastructure has gone, You've got a car and you've got the energy source in the car and you can drive a long way away from the zombies and then the next day another 40 miles. This is genius. But it looks like that if it gets hit by a Cybertruck, there's no chance you're going to survive that. I'm sorry. It's really flimsy. <laughs> Unless you have really a generator flimsy. that works on like dead zombie bodies, then you could like burn the zombie bodies to charge the Cybertruck. That, that may be like an option potentially that you could do. Yes, Joel? So, yeah, if you were to describe the body of the of the uh, from the front, it looks it looks really cool on the side. It's a sexy, sexy car. <laughs> <laughs> from the side, it's I, I, it doesn't. It's it not looks exactly like a boomerang. A, yeah, on the side, like sideways yeah. boomerang. Like if you hung like, a boomerang yeah. on your wall mm -hmm. and you got that like kind of shape, that's kind of what it looks like. Inside. It's got these real like aerodynamic covers over the front wheels and then the back kind of tapers into like a point almost like a teardrop kind of a look with a big glass open bowl it's pretty cool looking i i'm i'm it's, a fan i'm a fan well let me take i'll try and explain it another way so you understand from the front it looks like Halle Berry. it looks just gorgeous from the side it looks like me <laughs> it's, it's how did they it's wow. so ugly from the side and so interesting from the front it's like batmobile in the front and yeah. some kids broken toy on the side and, it, it's, and it's, it's made from weird. like composites so like the one of my first thoughts was like wow it doesn't look like the kind of thing you'd want to be in in a t-bone accident or or something like that but basically there there's a video by the the guy who started aptera one of the designers of aptera and he talks about this paradigm of like they, they just basically attack the design of like, let's make it lighter, as efficient as possible, and try to get it for as, as inexpensively as possible. And like, those are the three kind of main tenants that they are working on. And, and, and like, if more and more companies did this and we had a bunch of these on the road, like a bunch of these crashing into each other is okay. A bunch of these crashing into a GMCU con is potentially problematic on a lot of levels or even into like a cyber truck that won't dent. If you like, you hit it with a sledgehammer. Can you imagine this thing getting hit by a cyber truck, Robert? So I watched quite a, I don't know, maybe an hour of, of uh, interviews and, and details of it. It turns out that it's created with these uh, pretty high-tech composites, carbon fiber, a honeycomb foam core, and the frame even is made of these high-tech carbon fiber elements that are very stiff and very firm. And I think that uh, this thing might actually hold up pretty well in an accident. The fact that it weighs only 1,700 pounds empty might be part of the issue, but again, if we're not in a place with tons of SUVs and, you know, 18 wheelers rolling around that might not even, you know, recognize this thing, um, that might be more of an issue. But if you're in like a small place, like especially a lot of 
small European towns and uh, like the old world where the streets are really narrow and such. I think this thing would be amazing. And I love it. I love the view of it from the back end. So Mel, you didn't get there. From the back end, it looks like like George Jetson. It's got this one strip of lights and a couple of exhaust ports. And uh, it, it looks sweet. I don't know how many groceries it'll hold. Uh, I didn't get that much of an interior sense of what the car looks like, but I definitely want to get in one of these things and drive it around. It turns out people deliver groceries nowadays anyway, so it doesn't matter how many groceries it'll hold. <laughs> That's not a thing anymore. So I read somewhere, and I can't remember where I read it, um, that it was going to have somewhere around, it wasn't going to have the 100 um, kilowatt hour um, battery pack. Um it was something like 25 to 30, but I don't remember where I where I read it and I don't see it on here, but they kind of were are hyping up the, if it had 100, it would do all this, but I'm not sure they're yeah. going to do that. Um, yeah, they talked about like a 25, but they said they did have some potential to, to put 100. Again, I don't know how they would do it. It was, you know, there's there's a bunch of different articles. The one article that I pulled into here was from Car and Driver. There was, there's a bunch of other information out there and that's, that's where the 100, you know, it was okay. like the sort of, the the kind of like possibility of getting to a, a thousand miles. I mean, obviously, it makes it way more. So mm-hmm. there's there's issues, but really, the the key to this thing, even if it's twenty five k, right, and it's two hundred and fifty miles of range, which is still a fair amount of range, and every day, let's say you're only getting forty miles a day, or you're only getting thirty miles a day, right, over the course of every ten days, you're basically fully charging the battery. My guess is you could go year without having to actually plug this thing in somewhere which would be That's pretty nice obvi- pretty amazing or right? you could, yeah uh, you know again i don't know how long you could go but again it'll it gives you the ability to go out into the middle of nowhere and still be able to get back so so some folks are getting like around with their model threes are getting around 200 and, and maybe a little bit um uh, watt hours per per mile um like I, yeah, I got on I mean, my like, model S like 305 or so, but yeah, but re- realistically like 250 is like a realistic, like it's getting really an A in driving around in a, in a model three or maybe a model Y. So yeah, still 100 and change is crazy efficient. The, um, Cybertruck is going to have this as well, right? So when the, he was teasing it, we'll see, they're going to hopefully retease the Cybertruck that, that, um, back panel on the thing would be a solar panel and they were talking about 15 miles if i my memory serves correct 15 miles and then maybe some sort of canopy thing that you could throw out and get up to 40 miles and again i just go back to the camping idea you're out in the middle of nowhere and you're camping for four or five days and your battery's gone from 50 percent to 80 percent while you're just living could be cool or that energy is charging up your little uh, cooker and all that other stuff so you're not actually losing charge or you park it at the lax where it normally would discharge over time and you're going to maui for a month you come back and actually you haven't lost any charge so i like the idea of these solar panels and i know they keep getting rejected because they don't ever add enough but they don't necessarily add enough if you're trying to drive 50 miles a day but i think there's other reasons to do it if they can keep the price down yeah, and I think you know some of it has to be like if the be- like again it's it's about the efficiency of the overall vehicle, right? If the vehicle overall is really efficient use of charging, 
then the little trickle charge you can get from a solar panel is much more meaningful. And that, that's kind of the, the back and the back and forth of it. So if you make a super efficient car and you have a super efficient solar panel, then it makes it, you, you sort of start to like tie those two things together. Now in comparison, they haven't really released the official numbers of the Cybertruck, but I looked it up and it, they're saying like Elon has said that with extreme effort, they might be able to get to 0.30, which is, you know, three times worse than this particular car, the, the Aptera, if, if again, the Aptera is, uh, if they're right about the numbers that, that they're, that they're sharing with us and stuff like that. So would you, would you, um, take, if this were a, um, a robo taxi and it pulled up, you ordered it, you know, on some app and you, uh, ordered it up and you, you saw it come, would you, would you take that for a ride? Would all of you oh, guys yeah. take that for a ride? I would for sure. Cause it could be, I mean, that could be, you know, twice as, inexpensive or half as uh, expensive i guess um <laughs> twice as a, inexpensive joel twice as inexpensive you're, you're doing really good tonight with the words and i know huh and such. um <laughs> i'd like people to write in and tell me everything i've made a mistake when today so oh i could do um, that oh, yeah <laughs> so um because i think they could do a pretty good job um with a, a cheaper ride per mile um you know if yeah. they can get everything working right it, it seems well the other thing about that like you say like it's a smaller vehicle it looks like it requires maybe less resources to produce it you could pack more of them into a space you don't have to worry about charging infrastructure imagine a vehicle like this in a country that has some challenges as it pertains to its electronic and in, in, it's it's electric infrastructure in general right you could have this type of vehicle and not have to worry about the charging infrastructure or worry about what the grid, the condition of the grid is because you're only, you know, you can really manage how often you have to charge them based on the fact that it's getting you 60 miles a day potentially in the sun. So there's a lot of, you know, use cases where I see this could be potentially, uh, you know, pretty, pretty awesome. So I, I think we should uh, have one last word from Robert and then we'll move on to the next story. Yeah. I like the fact that it charges, at um, 110 volt plug, which is great. So that really improves the usability of it. And I don't think that the solar option is going to be something used much in a, you know, a poorer, more developing nation, because that's probably going to cost you a fortune because the price range on this thing is really wide. But I think this definitely opens up like to the market in India or uh, you know, places where EVs are growing fast, I think this would be an amazing product. And I really look forward to it. It's a privately owned company. It's right here in California, you know, in San Diego. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about autonomous driving. Everybody on this show's favorite thing. Now, raise your hand uh, if you've got full self-driving that works. They can't huh. see your hands. There's no hands up. That's interesting. Raise your hand <laughs> if you've purchased full self-driving more than once. <laughs> oh, Mel's got all of his hands up. I, I think there may be a hand behind him. So what I would like to say is, it's here. I don't know why this happened. I don't know how this happened. I didn't see any messages about it. But all of a sudden, the cost of full self-driving went down. Did you guys did you guys see this? Did you hear this? And it's not down for everyone, but it was basically people like me 
who purchased early versions of enhanced autopilot, which is something that I've been talking about for months and months and months. Like, it's cool. Like, I already have almost all of these features. I understand the difference. They lowered the price. So now the price on my app is $5,000 instead of $7,000, which it was the last time we guys met. Oh, we met. And and it's it, it's it's brought up all of these <laughs> thoughts in my head. So does Tesla now honor this price for me in perpetuity or is this the new starting point to the to the weekly monthly yearly price increases to full self-driving hold on Robert and on top of that does that mean I need to pull the trigger because this is my opportunity because this is the price I was promised when I bought the car so I, you're saying that your price for full self-driving didn't go up to $10,000 like it did my for anybody else? For, my price currently on my app, if I open my Tesla app and I push the upgrade button, full self-driving is $5,000. Not 7000 not 10000 not any other number, but the 5000 I was promised originally when I purchased the vehicle. Good for you. You know what you should do? Buy $5,000 worth of Tesla stock. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> That's only like five shares. Like, what is that? Seven shares or something like that right now? Eight shares? Yeah. It's still good. It's still good. Yeah, um, no, so what did you pay initially for um, enhanced autopilot? Like a couple grand? So I think it was three thousand at purchase. It was either three thousand at purchase or four thousand at purchase. But I think it was three thousand at purchase, and then, uh, and then the full self driving would have been four thousand, but an additional five thousand after you took delivery. So that's what it is currently right now, which is really all I've asked for this whole time. Um, so it's. It's an interesting, I'm in an interesting quandary. I don't really have five grand. I don't really love the fact that it's not transferable to me. It stays with the car and maybe even then it doesn't stay with the car, but I could get new hardware. Please explain to me why I should or why I shouldn't do it. And we'll start with Joel. Oh, wow. Um, well, this, I think this puts your money where your mouth is. You've been, um, I've, I've only been on the show, what, a month? And I think I've heard this complaint for, what, three shows? Oh, my God. So long. So um, I, it, it's, I still think it's kind of, I, don't, I thought you guys bought it. I thought it was a lot lower when you first had the opportunity to get it. But it st still sounds like it's still 8000 essentially. Yeah, when I, looked at, when I looked it up the last time, when I really wanted to get as much information as I as I possibly could on it. What I looked at my agreement and I looked at what it was on the website at that at that point and it I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's right in line with what it should have been all along. Like I believe it never I believe for me or for anybody who purchased their vehicle at that time, that price should stay pretty constant. Well this would be good for the um um all the, the folks that have written in and we're complaining about you, complaining about your tires, and now... Oh, my goodness. I was so wrong about that in, in, in so many ways, and we got a letter. I can't remember 
who it was from, but maybe somebody can pull it up off the last show notes because we didn't get to it. And it was basically, you know, he, he took me to task as it pertained to like, I was asking for Tesla to provide a free wheel, even though they were getting nothing out of the deal. And, and, and he's right. I was definitely, I was wrong as it pertained to that. And I, you know, mea culpa, like 100% get that. You're not supposed to apologize. You're supposed to fight back. Like, no, I was right. I was right. Not worth it. (laughs) Full self-driving right now is $10,000. $10,000 right now. So, Tom, I'm going to give you my advice. Looking at from from that point of view, you're going to get a bargain if you get it right now. So, you got to think about it. Right, but I've already paid a certain amount of money, right? Like, so... Um, I'm trying to find my... Okay, i got another thing to ask you, Tom. Okay. I'll, I'll probe Please. deeply. Please. Would you put your car on the autonomous driving network that doesn't exist and may never exist for a long time? Because if you got you pay for it. If you got money back for every mile it drove. Right. So if you spent five grand now and then you could just throw it on the network while you're at work... And uh, it'll be making money for you. If you believe that network is coming then and you are willing to stick your car on the network with teenagers vomiting and doing other terrible things in your car, then the $5,000 will be worth it. But if it's just to drive you around, uh, maybe you don't need it. Maybe lend to your family too. Um, Or pick up your elderly grandmother or something. Yeah, that's a a more – that's a complicated one, I guess, in that particular – in that particular sense, I would say, would I? I mean, right now I probably would because I hardly drive the thing at all. It just sits around. But like, do I Do I relish that idea of like... Nobody relishes the idea of strange people being in their car doing horrible things. They right. accept it if they get paid. There's yeah, no relishing I mean, because they're probably I, dropping relish all through the. Car. I mean, honestly, if I thought that if I really thought I was going to make money, then I would probably put it on the thing and use the additional profit to buy a Y. So I paid when I purchased my vehicle. This I, I just pulled up my sales form in December 21st of 2017 is when I got my signed agreement back from them. Enhanced autopilot was a $5,000 upgrade. So I paid five. So I don't know what the stock price is in, in December 21st of 2017. <laughs> I can tell I you. Paid, I paid $5,000 for enhanced autopilot. I paid $5,000 for premium upgrades. I paid $9,000 for the long range va- battery. Even the $1,500 for the sport wheels may be. Something that may be $150,000 worth of Tesla stock <laughs> to be completely honest. I could have bought a lot of wheels with that investment. So that's that, that was the uh, that that so 5,000 and 5,000 now. So basically, that would make the cost of, but I could have got full self driving for 9,000 by buying it right then and right then and there. So basically, three years later, coming up, coming up on three years later, it would have been. You know, an, it's an additional thousand dollars than I would have paid. So fifty. So Joel and, and Robert have put big numbers up on the screen that you guys can't see. But apparently, the five thousand dollars worth of enhanced autopilot Tesla stock has gone fifty times since then. Is that correct, Joel? So are we talking two hundred and fifty thousand dollars? <laughs> oh my lord! I could have bought two 
three, four Ys with full self-driving for that kind of money. Yeah, what really hurts. That's insanity. What really hurts is when I'm at work and people know that I do the podcast and they come slap me on the back like, man, you're doing so good. I'm so glad for you. What are you going to do with all the money? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got one of those. So are you a Tesla millionaire? Like, uh, right. Joel, can you do this one for me? Because I got a buddy that whose wife put down uh, the first big deposit for the Y. So how long ago was that? Because I want to work out if he's paid for the Y yet because he hasn't bought it yet. She bought him whatever the deposit was in Tesla stock. Oh, wow. And they were going to use the money to then. Yeah, she definitely bought. She, she's definitely paid for that car. Yeah, well, that's so. Was that stock was six bucks? Was that the was it, Y reveal? They, did, that was in April, right? Um, was it a thousand bucks, or was it? What did you have to put down to put a get, to get a Y? I, I think, I think he y. told me it was three, two or three, something like that. Yeah. Let's say it's two. Let's just say it's two. When the Y was first revealed, and now give me how much that would be worth? Because apparently that's what the show is about. Uh, that's so funny. Was that what? April what? 2018? Uh, I, I, anybody know when the reveal? Uh, no, it's Google real time. March 15, 2019. Really? It was only 14th. Oh yeah. I got that wrong. Um, so yeah, March, um, 2019 still though, still a good earning though. It was not a year ago. There's something wrong there. That's a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. A year and a half. That was really, okay. Yeah, so I mean, in May 14th, May 14th of 2019, there's a CNBC article that says Tesla just unveiled its new crossover SUV, the Model Y, starting at $39,000 and started accepting orders with $1,000 down payments. Okay, oh, so geez. give me that $1,000. So $1,000 on May... On March 14th. March 14th, 2019. 2019. Come on, Robert, Joel. Help Robert, us out do you have that? Because now I'm looking and my numbers are looking. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm looking at a site that has split adjusted March numbers 14. in it. March. 14th. Oh, this is the worst well, radio. Of March no, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, do March 11th, Robert. We $55 don't. Fifty-five dollars was the close. Fifty-five dollars. So a thousand shares at fifty-five dollars is about two. What is that? Twenty-five shares. Wow, the split adjusted price. Jesus. Here, here we go. One thousand divided by fifty-five. About 20 shares. Divided by 55 equals about 18 shares times the current stock price, which is? 650. 650? 11,000. So he hasn't paid the car off. No. But there was a split. But it's pretty good. That's the thing is there is a split in there, I believe. That's not adjusted for the split. Well, if you do the split, which is 5X, he paid for the car because that's like $60,000. I believe believe they've paid for the car in that particular instance. All right. This is going to be the the this worst is show. Of everybody the is just the worst show. Be. All right, I so want everybody to write in and tell us how badly we did here because um, <laughs> um, I'm looking at the I'm looking at this thing and it's right in front of me and it has a split in it. Uh-huh. So the five dollars that I started out with, or how much was that, Mel? Um, Thousand down. Yeah, yeah I'm trying to like, tell so you guys that we're mine we're was. Already- yeah, you were right, Robert. You were right. Yeah. Yeah. They've normalized I mean, the price on all of the stock charts. Like I look at Yahoo Finance. They've normalized the stock price for the split. So the split, okay. forget about it. 
because they're showing okay. that originally the stock was $3.80, but it wasn't. It was five times that. But I have okay. a more important question since we're talking about the Model Y reveal. What could be more reveal. important than this? Mm-hmm. At the Model Y reveal, they served jam, strawberry Those so preserves. Good. Those were Why? delicious, by the way. What was the riddle? Remember, Tom, we were trying to figure out what the hell was up with the jam. Yeah, we never figured it out, did we? Never, never. Do you know think, now, or do you just bring no, up another thing I'm to not answer? Still ignorant, and I'm thinking that we need to mm-hmm. add a section to the show to make sense of what the f- Elon is tweeting when he tweets out these weird things, right? Maybe you need to tweet that at Elon and say, hey, we were talking about this and we still don't understand the answer to the jelly question. Although that is a delicious jelly. But let's talk Giga <laughs> Factories in Berlin because we may actually have some good information about that. So the Giga Factory Berlin is still being built. Like the area that they already cleared, we talked about that a while ago. They're building out the Giga Factory. However, they had still been clearing more space to make Giga Bigga. As it were, they're going to make. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. But they had to stop doing that. And do you know why they had to stop doing that? Did any one of you guys, Joel, do you know why they had to stop doing that? They told Tesla they had to slow down. (laughs) Wow, there's. Sleeping (laughs) snakes. That's (laughs) serpientes. That is. Correct. <laughs> so basically, apparently, the, the forest around there is home to all these lizards and snakes that Tesla was apparently supposed to move. I, I didn't hear about this until I started to read this article, but apparently, as part of the deal, Tesla was like hiring people or whatever to go around and gather up these lizards and snakes and get them out of the forest because they were protected. And then they were going to move them someplace else and then knock down the trees. But at the moment, they're sleeping so they can't be gathered. Like, what the hell is happening over there? Like, yeah. Like, have you, did you guys know that they were supposed to gather up these snakes? Like, this, how, this how, what no kind thing. of like, what kind of weird environmental negotiations was that like at the table? Okay, Elon, so welcome to Germany. We're really glad to have you here. So we have this great spot, lots of forests. One minor detail you got to send a bunch of people out there to gather up all the snakes and lizards and move them to another spot. Yeah, that. I mean, there's two parts of me. There's one side of me that's like, what the? (laughs) That is just absolutely ridiculous, right? But Uh the other part is, you know what? You got to practice what you preach here. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. um, Yeah, I haven't heard anybody complain on the Tesla side yet, but I I think that's pretty cool. And if you remember a year ago, a year ago, they had to move, uh, I think it was bats and some other critters um for essentially the same reasons when they're going to clear this um paper forest essentially they had to go through and find bats and some other i think there was like some lizards and they had to move those before they could they were allowed to to clear cut and then there were still some uh uh, birds if you remember when they clear cutted everything they had to leave some trees up until the whatever that was flew away so, and this was in this was in Germany as well. This yeah? was in Germany last year before they started all this whole thing. 
Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson has actually been hired to come and uh, <laughs> move these. And he's like, uh, I've had it with all these mother effing snakes on this uh, Giga Berlin factory. And yeah. so and I'm going to bring uh, my plane. He's going to move them out. Of it. Yeah, he's going to bring his plane to- and take them off. And I wanted to point out, Mel, that I managed to have a little bit of a, a dramatization of the meeting around the table without using a horrifically bad German accent to do it. I just wanted to like make sure that you were aware that that, that, that happened uh, at the beginning right. of this uh, story right here. So I got two questions. Number one, yes, please. Uh, I think that Elon could make another boatload, or should I say a f ton of money if he when he gathers these snakes has a good research team study how it is they could possibly sleep through all the noise and racket that's going on there in giga berlin with them building that place i mean the the you know it's astonishing how far it's come along if he can figure out how those snakes can sleep and he can sell that formula to all the people with insomnia and there are a lot of them Bam, Tesla stock will be $20,000 a share. That's number one. Number two is what's the chance those snakes are going to continue to survive as the temperature of the globe rises another centigrade degree or two more? And how much faster will we keep it from rising if we get those freaking trucks and cars out of that factory ASAP to go all around Europe instead of their Dieselgate VWs. Oh, Dieselgate! You went back to you went you went there, which is yep. very nicely done. So oh, no, the other didn't. interesting aspects that this article. So this was an electric article, but some other interesting aspects about the Tesla Giga Berlin is that Tesla's kind of kind of use it as a proving ground for their new technologies, right? So they are planning to use the 4680 battery in Giga Berlin. That seems like it's been confirmed. And also the structural battery pack technology as as well. On top of that, there's some new painting technology that they're gonna out they're gonna introduce. And they've had a lot of problems with the painting in of the Model Y and the Model S's over the years, and people are still unhappy with the thinness of the painting. And and the reason, and this was really interesting, the reason that Tesla sort of stated that they were going to do this in Germany is they didn't want to risk putting these new technologies into Fremont or into China because they're relying on those factories for the revenue and to release and to produce cars and stuff like that. And so that that aspect of it, I think, is it's a it's really, really smart to like be able to say, like, even if Giga Berlin has some issues with the new batteries and with the painting and with the battery packs, they can still provide enough vehicles in Europe from their U.S. and China factories. So it's really like giving them this additional flexibility. And my guess is that they're probably going to do this a similar thing with Austin as well. Yeah, but do you think in Austin or in Texas, the people there would play along Because I'm wondering, is this a little bit of a charade, right? So we're all kind of ogling and goggling over how fast this gigafactory is going up. But they mention in the article that Tesla fired Mr. Gigafactory, the guy who's in charge or gal, who's in, I don't know what their name is. It's probably a guy, the engineer in charge of the gigafactory Berlin project. They fired him because things aren't going along so well. And they're trying to hire a 25 guns engineering task force to fix the Gigafactory Berlin. So maybe 
This is just a little bit of a ruse that they're using the snake as an excuse, if you will, for them slowing things down at Berlin so they can get their S together. Yeah, so the guy's name was Evan Horetsky. It still is Evan Horetsky. He's just not Evan Horetsky. <laughs> that works That works yeah, now, for Tesla. Now he's that just called for, Mr. Gigafactory. That works for Tesla anymore. Now he's Mr. He's the ex-Mr. Gigafactory. Right. Like it's, it's, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it's one of those things where you're like the president of the United States and you, you're always Mr. Gigafactory once you sort of work at, at, at the Gigafactory. I wonder if it's a German reference to Mr. Universe. That uh, first off, Arnold's fucking Austrian. <laughs> no, actually, I believe he's just Austrian. Uh, <laughs> and 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 I, and only because I know you was there any resemblance to that actually sounding like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> you may actually have won the prize for worst accents on the show, and Mel is absolutely atrocious at it. So, like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Yeah. See that? That I'm is an amazing Schwarzenegger. I, I'm that not is a an fucking <laughs> Austrian. I'm an Austrian. It's different. Fucking Austria is to the south. It's a different country. Oh, so it's, I'm from Austria and I'm from fucking Austria over there. It's over there. It's fucking Austria. It's like Carolina, North Carolina. I don't know if I can add to that, uh, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so, one is that I don't think Evan actually. Um, I don't think it's been confirmed that he's been fired from Tesla. He just was moved from that job. And we don't know if he's actually now at um, the Giga Texas or not. Um, One thing we do know is that they've gone to a 24-hour shift at Giga Texas. And there's questions as to whether, um, at least for Texas is is, or Austin, I guess, is if if, if they're going to beat Germany um, in some way, which would be completely crazy. But... Um, with their three shifts, they might get really close. And the other thing is, is that I don't know if uh, the one thing about Giga Germany overall is they have still have not been fully approved to be allowed to build on the site. And so I, I, I know that I you mean, guys, come they, on, they haven't been fully approved. Um, and so everything that they're doing is uh, to make, you know, sort of to satisfy people's needs uh and their requests and all the announcements and everything that they're doing is to you know to make sure that they can get that approval because um at one point audi was there audi was at that um was at that same site and tesla decided to go to the same site because they you know it's it's a pretty good site but they're still not 100 percent approved um and i doubt they're gonna lose it but i don't know about you I mean, but i think it's really risky though yeah, I mean, that's why, I, I don't know. So according to an October 22nd electric article by Fred Lambert, and it's weird that Fred Lambert wrote this electric article because, well, it's not weird. He writes every electric article for the Practically, most part. Practically, yeah. But they, he, they reported that he was fired. He was dismissed as the, the engineer behind Tesla's construction projects and, and all Tesla uh construction projects when he had joined tesla in 2015 to work on gigafactory nevada now interestingly he was called mr gigafactory but he prefers gigameister (laughs) he prefers to be called the gigameister which is you know a nice nod to uh some german heritage and and stuff like that so i'm looking uh, at his linkedin page and um he's still he still uh has tesla 
Oh, um, interesting. No, you know, sometimes people are slow to change their things. But yeah. I think that was when was that? That was actually in October. October twenty right? second is what electric is when electric reported. I mean, it's not super functional, but anyways, the forty six eighty battery. So we know for sure. Well, no, okay. Or, I was just going like, to say I was looking at his Match dot com page and um, I was getting some <laughs> different information, but that's fine. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I stepped on that. That would have been much funnier without my battery comment. Yeah, yes, that's Robert. Fine. Just go straight to batteries. It also says that supposedly he was fired because he didn't pay the water bill and the water got shut off at the Gigafactory construction project, which I thought- First off, there's there's nobody with the title of Gigameister or Meistergigger or whatever the hell that should be responsible for paying the goddamn water bill. <laughs> like somebody that works for him should have paid the effing water bill. What the hell is going on over there? That's Actually, ridiculous. it turns out he was fired because he was leaving the toilet up and wasn't flushing. It was gross and they just <laughs> Aww. They're like, that's a Gigameister <laughs> right there. <laughs> and look, it's the shape of a 4680 battery on top of it. Now we've lost all of our, oh, now we've geez. lost all, Seriously. now we've lost all the, now we've lost all the list. That was a Mel line. You should have loved that. But are, are you guys at all excited by the fact that they plan to make all the batteries, all the vehicles coming out of here with the 4680 battery and the structural battery pack technology and Joel Please tell the listeners a little bit about structural battery pack technology because I don't recall what the hell that means. Oh, that's a great um, lead into one of the questions by uh, one of the uh, written in emails as well. So if you think about batteries, uh, so you have the battery and then um, in the past, uh, Tesla had modules. So it had a group of cells, battery cells that were completely separate. In the you know the Model S early Model S days, they thought, well, geez, if you know a few of these cells go, then we could open up the the pack, pull out just a module, put in a new module, and then we'll be on our way. Uh, and then the entire car had multiples of these modules. And you know, in the early days, again, they thought also that fire prevention. It's helpful if you just had everything sort of in a can, sort of thing. Even like you know, so you'd have maybe a couple hundred cells in a can and then you'd have multiples of these modules and if there was a fire issue or something like that you'd, it would help keep that fire in one place so uh elon had a interview geez i think it was last january when he said hey i think we just made a mistake we kept using these modules but there wasn't really a great reason for it um and we think we need to get to uh remove um we need to remove some of that and so instead, what um, instead of like rem uh, just removing the module and having a pack, so having you know these four to seven thousand cells all in one pack, what they decided to do is remove the pack as well. So no module and no pack, glue essentially glue these together um, so that they're they're so strong they act like a solid, rigid uh, structural component put in the car um, and then they become uh, part of the car in a way that they uh, they're not they, they become a structural member of the car essentially and so some people call it cell to structure or you know uh, or just packless architecture but essentially that's sort of the idea is you glue them all together it's like this huge massive brick but it's now a structure and so during battery day they said basically that I think it was something like, 
I can't remember the percentage. It, I think it was double digit percentage of savings that they had for the weight of the cell uh, of the overall system because they're removing not only the modules, but removing the pack as a whole. So it's almost like they don't, it helps them a lot in terms of weight. Okay. But so, so for sure they're doing this. And <laughs> if for sure they're doing this, this is the harbinger of Tesla completely abandoning what they pretty much abandoned as soon as they made it, which was being able to switch out the battery, right? The, the supercharger, like the, you drive your car in, they drop the battery, they give you a charge battery and you, and you drive away. Wait, wait. They tried to do that in one place, I think. And, uh, well, they never really did it. Well, like it can, it's just that you're switching out an entire car now. Like, uh, <laughs> we're going to swap out your car battery mm-hmm. uh, most of the time. You know, actually, where this really matters, as I understand it, is in the semi. So in the semi, they're looking at semi trailers are very huge and big and large, and the battery packs is just going to be so big. It's going to be so much weight. But now they solve for that problem, like because of what Joel said, it's like, oh, we're just basically building the structure of the most important parts of this giant semi-trailer out of batteries, not two separate components. So I think it's in the semi where this is where people, I think, were having problems with the math right on the beginning. They're like, the size of the battery to put it, and they were thinking like, yeah, add that weight to a semi-trailer, that's going to make it really, really heavy, And but they're not. They're taking out weight because they don't need it because the battery is the structure to the semi. But that makes it, sorry, that makes it much less flexible in case like one part of like some batteries go down, like probably much more or much less serviceable, I guess, individual batteries in that particular case. Uh, Serviceability is, is, um, would definitely be an issue. But um, I think from their point of view, one, the whole car can be a lot cheaper. But secondly, um, electronically they can limit you know let's say a bad cell um if that happens to to be the case um Mm -hmm. so that you just lose a little percentage and you don't really notice it or maybe you do notice it a little bit but it's not that big of a deal versus the whole thing going um if the whole thing goes and obviously they need to replace the whole thing um but uh, you know what they are doing is they're saving costs and they're saving weight um, which they, you get extra range because of it. And, you know, that's important. And in battery day, they were all about the, um, all about the uh, recyclability of these batteries. So uh, although they're sticking them all together, their big thing was once we get all of these batteries and all of these cars and all of these trucks and all of this stuff, when they're end of their cycle, we're going to recycle them and we don't need to continue to dig up lithium. So I think long-term they're thinking about that, but um, uh, it's probably true that if you put epoxy all over all these batteries and stuff, it's going to be hard to replace them out one at a time. Yeah, that's why I kind of call bullshit. I wonder, you know, where are we heading? We're going like, we're pulling in two directions. So we can only drive the car in one road, but we're pulling it into two roads how is this happening? I want to know more because otherwise I feel sort of like I'm being fooled or something. And I know that Tesla, Elon, the team, JB, everybody's got really good ideas and plans. And typically when I'm in this position, it's because they've got something up their sleeve they haven't shared with me yet. And maybe it has something to do with strawberry jam. I don't know. <laughs> always with the, always with the, 
damn jam doesn't doesn't even make any sense anymore in the in the regards. Okay, so let's move on from from Giga Berlin and the forty six eighty and the structural battery pack, and let's talk about Mel's mad Tesla crush, JB Strobel. He's got an article in here, also from Electrek. I'm going to go out on a limb. Also written by Fred Lambert, potentially. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. Or Simon uh, Mel- Alvarez. Melvis, what would you like to tell us about JB? Actually, it was uh, Fred Lambert. Um, so this is something to really think about. All right, I want you to stay with me on this puppy. So, right, as opposed Jay- to the rest of this stuff that we don't. No, really the rest think of the stuff. About? Don't think about it. Don't okay. think about the fact that between us, thirty-four million dollars was blown. <laughs> Just don't oh. don't think about that. Yeah. I started drinking but, like midway through the show because it might be divided by five on that one. So we'll have to look at the <laughs> okay. numbers later. Regardless. Regardless. So J.B. Strobel, who I think the people on this uh, podcast would say was uh, you know, fundamental to Tesla, a very smart guy. He was the yin to the yang. He was the guy that got it done. When he left Tesla, many of us thought it's over uh, because he's really that smart and he's that calm and he's, he's everything that Elon isn't when it comes to being a little bit crazy. So he left filthy rich, including filthy rich, quite wealthy. So he's gone off to do a couple of things. One of them is battery recycling, which is going to be huge. But another one of them is QuantumScape. So QuantumScape is a solid state battery maker. We've been hearing about solid state lithium forever, which is this magical universe where you don't have, you know, fluid goopy bits and it's all solid state and theoretically higher energy density, significantly higher energy density. And the problem with it has been the cycle life, and there's lots of issues with it. But he is putting his time, money, and effort to this company, and he's saying, he's going out there and saying, we've cracked the code. We've got the basic fundamental math down of this stuff, and we're going to be able to produce a solid-state battery which can charge from you know 0 to 80 in less than 15 minutes, that the cycle life will be, you know, 800 to 1,000, which is right where you want to be, which will be longer than you need it for the car. And uh, the costs are pretty low. Now, we don't know all of the details because there's still some stuff to talk about. But when Strobel is behind a technology like this, and I don't know his exact, whether he's on the board or whether he's an owner, but he is 100% into this company. I ask you this question. Uh, I ask everybody this question. Is now the time to buy some stock in this? I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to buy stock in this. Not because I know really anything about the technology. Um, I don't really know much about the company. But what I've learned is if you've got a super smart person who really believes in a thing, who fundamentally understands the physics and the market forces of something, that's where I'm going to take a gamble. So I'm going to actually put some money on this gamble and I might lose it all, but I will continue to follow this in the years ahead and let you know. I'll put some amount of money down and follow it. I want this to be true. I want it to be that they've really cracked it because they've got smart guys and he's one of them. And we've got this solid state um, that charges really fast and uh, is like this next level technology that we're thinking about. I don't know if it's true, but go check it out. I'm just saying... Go check it out because he's a pretty smart guy. Well, I'm gonna. I, I just pulled up the chart here on Yahoo Finance, and it looks like they've only traded since August 17th of this year, and have just had two spikes. So it's been like holding at around I don't know 18 dollars or something, 
and uh, $17, $18, and now all of a sudden it's spiked up to $57, and now that you've made that announcement, it's going to the moon. To the moon, Alice! Yeah. Yes, let's be very clear. I don't know what I'm talking about, and this is not <laughs> stock uh, picking advice. I just like JB, and I'm going to put a gamble on him, and I'm prepared to lose some money because I think it do do very well. So let's go back a little bit to what you talked about. You talked about the battery, the density, and the and the degradation. So at eighty percent, there, you know, again, the claim is that it can retain eighty percent capacity after eight hundred cycles. So if you do the math on that, it's basically a three hundred mile range electric vehicle. That'd be two hundred and forty thousand miles before the battery would degrade below 80%. Now, the question is, is that better than we're currently seeing out of Tesla's battery? I don't think so. It doesn't no. feel like that's better. No. Although the the lack of, I guess, liquid in the battery probably makes the battery a little more stable, a little easier overall to deal with. It's also a little bit faster charging. I mean, I guess explain to the people the real benefits um, to uh, to the solid state. I have one question. Oh, please. How far have any of you ever driven one car? 230,000 miles? I think not. I know- The max I've ever owned a car, it had 240,000 miles. Yeah, but how many miles have you put on? So basically, if a car can go 200,000 miles, that's like an order of- No, not quite an order of magnitude, but I mean, like most people might own a car until it goes 60, 80,000 miles and then Mm -hmm. it gets resold a couple of times. And does it ever make it to 200,000? I think the vast majority of cars, vast majority, not your one car, Tom, a vast majority of cars don't make it anywhere near that long. And so this is fine. Yeah, I agree. The vast majority doesn't. But again, if we're talking about a world like if, you, if you're talking about specific use cases, you have like taxis, they'll do 300,000 miles in a year. Uh, so, you know, there is some yeah. usage out there. Again, again, it's minimal. So you asked about benefits and what's better and what's not better. Right. So they had a they had the live stream today. And um, one of the key benefits was when it when it gets over temperature, it it actually tends to absorb energy as opposed to be exothermic, you know, creating like a fire or something like that. But their, uh, the cycle life, at least right now is not, is, is better, way better than most other, um, solid state solutions right now, but it's not, it's not even close to, uh, your standard, um, battery cell, whether it's Tesla or any sort of electrolyte, electrolytic battery at the moment. So why do it? Uh, because of, uh, why is it such a big deal? Better temperature range. Uh, well, it, it's sort of the Mecca, the, the Holy grail you get, but you can have better temperature range. Um, it's safer in terms of the fire, um, uh, in terms of like over temperature and causing fires or things like that. And it looks like, um, their charge rate, um, is at least 15, uh, 15 minutes for a hundred percent recharge. And they say they could get down to, Two minutes, whether that's true or not, all these things are big promises. And I and I know that JB's behind this, or could be partly behind this, but um, you know, they're still probably five years to seven years away from full production. Um, yeah, so there's a, a lot of promises. This is a long, yeah, the the big promise is speed of charging, energy density. 
this is what the solid state people are always talking about. In theory, much faster charging, much higher density. So volumetrically. But it's all yeah, volumetrically. But it's always like like you were saying, Joel, five years from now. Five years from now. It's sort of like uh, fusion energy. It's always 10 years to 15 years away. It's like it's been 10 or 15 years away since I was five. So, But that's why I think this is interesting because J.B. Stribbles is like there's a bit of technology we fundamentally cracked. Okay. Um, so the, one, the two things they didn't talk about were um, energy – uh, sort of uh, energy density, not on the volumetric side, but on the the gravimetric side. So um, and it so it sounds like it's probably heavier, um, or at least they have no they don't know yet um, because they basically have pouch cells. And then they didn't mention costs. So I, li- I did li- happen to listen while working today, listen to the the live stream, and they they didn't come close to talking about where the cost is going to be. So what's going to happen is is you're going to have this runaway potentially in let's say in five years when these start to get released is you can have battery uh solid state batteries that may be at the 100 or 150 dollars a kilowatt hour and then electrolytic cells down to 50 40 dollars and so now it's a it's a cost game and what's you know so you're you're gonna have certain applications where it's gonna work nicely for and other applications where it's not going to so it's we got to see. We got to wait a little bit. I do think it's probably the future, but especially with super fast charging. But we got to see what the end game is still with these forty six eighties in terms of speed of charging, because I guarantee it's going to be below fifteen right now for those fifteen okay, minutes for so, full charge. So you bring up so many, like so many, really things are just railing through my brain at the moment right now, right? Because it's like if it's five years and it, in five years like tesla batteries are way fifty dollars a kilowatt hour right like there's no way that Tesla's gonna like change their technology and move to this particular technology that's that's one particular point there's likely very limited cases for people actually going like oh i'm gonna buy more expensive batteries especially if they're not necessarily better if, if the, is there is there an energy effect efficiency gain from solid state batteries or is it literally just so it's just speed of charging is like the main thing is the speed of charging and the the fact that like do they not need lithium also and does that matter because we know lithium's pretty darn abundant it's hard to get but it's it's not rare how uh how will this play into the tesla sphere picture so if JB's all in on it, he's sort of a surrogate for Elon, and I can't see how he wouldn't be, and this thing starts to crack, then Tesla comes in and says, all right, let's throw $100 million down for a, a, a test factory for this stuff. This stuff could be up and running pretty quickly if it's as advanced as this sort of sounds. Four but elements... Why? But why for Tesla? Like if Tesla, if this is three times more than Tesla thinks their current battery roadmap is at, is this, does this have the potential to be as cheap as that? Does it have the potential to be cheaper than, like, what is the potential of this technology? VTOL. Airplanes. Explain. Airplanes. So this is like. Critical takeoff and landing. VTOL. Yeah. 
This is what this is one of Elon's holy grails that he's been holding out for a number of years now that he just needed more energy density in the batteries that they could use and then air travel could be made electric. It also feeds into semi which, you know, those semis they could definitely they have a much higher ceiling requirement for energy than than they could be getting out of the 4680 cells right now. Those make the 4680 cells with lithium and cobalt in them. Those are the high-end ones that that they talked about on battery day are just enough to make those trucks uh, viable for commercial. But if you could pack three times the energy density into those trucks and you could carry those heavy loads for even longer and combine the autonomy so that they could be driving for literally 20 hours straight. Whoa. Mm -hmm. So let me clarify the energy density aspect. So what you're saying is a hundred kilowatt hour, you know, for, to give people like that are listening a nice reference point, if it's three times more energy dense, and I don't know if that's the number, but let's just go by the assumption that's three times. Does that mean in the same space, you would have a hundred kilowatt hour battery. You could have a 300 kilowatt hour battery theoretically. Is that, is that the the same space or for the same weight? The same space and weight. No. Well, they only talked about volumetric gains on, um, and it wasn't a three X. Uh, but they never mentioned gravimetric, so the the weight part. And so for semis, it's about weight. For like passenger cars, it's probably more about volume, especially when you get down to the tiny cars. But so the question that you asked earlier, I want to an- I want to try to answer that, or at least speak to that. How would Tesla go about sort of addressing the technology while still continuing with their march towards cost efficiency? One of the things that they have a patent on is a hybrid a hybrid electric car but it's a it's not a hybrid uh it's not a gas electric hybrid it's uh, two different styles of battery hybrid car so in one um in one uh, visualization of it um it would have um like a separate pack for the uh, conventional cells and then a pack with uh solid state cells so maybe if the solid state cells were lighter that might be a reason to do it, but they're more expensive. So you could sort of add a little bit of extra range without adding a whole bunch of things after that. Uh, another version of that is a, a, an actually a hybrid cell that has both um, solid state properties and electrolytic properties. So, and they've done this in the past too, like a long time ago, like it was like 2012 or something like that. They had like a hybrid aluminum air patent as well. So regular batteries with the aluminum air um battery so they're thinking about this and they they i think that would be like a a way to uh bridge the gap until the technology gets as cheap as and as good as um in every single way so cost um density everything so that it helps them to bridge that gap sort of thing so i think that's that they're kind of thinking about that tom and uh they're they're doing their best so the way to think about this is that ultra capacitors can accept and discharge a huge amount of energy, but they don't store a lot. So if you had the hybrid of this, you could say, oh, I've got 400 miles and 200 miles is in the really expensive uh, solid state and 200 miles in the really cheap one. So I can drive this thing 400 miles. But then if I plug it in, if I want a really fast charge in 
five minutes, I'll get 200 miles more range. Boom, I can drive all day like that. And then when I get to my destination, I'll slowly charge the the full battery. So you could see how that hybrid technology could be that uh, pathway, that uh, step to when everything is super fast and super cheap. Exactly. And, and so, so like just, I'm going to ask one more question to see if I can get you guys to bring it home a little bit more. So you have a okay. Tesla model X, it's got a hundred, it's a hundred D and your energy density, let's say it's doubled. So you can get a hundred kilowatt hour battery pack in half the space half the weight and that means you maybe can get additional range i know you're and this i'm not talking about the hybrid version i'm talking about this specific like singular solid state battery if it was twice as energy dense would it take up half as much space which means it would be it would weigh half as much and that could theoretically in and of itself give you another 25 percent range in a model x 100d I'd say um, in five years, you'd get um, a smaller pack size for probably twice or three times as much, um, at least right now, um, as we know it right now, and as heavy as uh, the, the current pack, although they haven't really told us. Okay. And then if you, if you go back to what we talked about, the structural battery pack, does this have implications for them having to change that? theoretically to back to the old design or some new way to to build to re-engineer the cars to build structure back into them again so it feels like Mm -hmm. you're like tesla's going back and forth between all these different like technologies and like maybe they're gonna have to go back to how they're currently making model wise after five years of making in and again i'm just being obviously wildly speculative but i'm trying to say like how does this technology fit into the framework of what we know about tesla today if it if it does they're they're always going to try to um continue to reduce the weight of the car and so the only way to do that is to replace parts of the car that are traditionally just sort of dumb metal for example with battery cells so that's ultimately what they're going to do and if 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 they think this technology is is better but let's say it weighs more then they're going to start replacing other parts of the car maybe the hood and the hood is now a battery cell or the trunk is or some rear component that nobody even looks at is now a battery cell. That's ultimately what they're going to get to. Uh, that's a little harder to do, but the, that's sort of the idea behind it. Yeah, when uh, Strobel was standing next to Elon, a couple of things. First thing they said multiple times on earning calls about all of this new battery tech, because they always talk about all this new battery tech. It's like, if, if you've got the battery that's better than ours and uh, costs less, We'll buy them all, anybody, because you keep hearing about, well, in the lab, this smart guy did this thing. And they're like, if you've got a battery tech that actually works, we'll buy it all. We'll buy all of it. And then what Joel was saying, there's a number of patents about uh, a really important point about dumb metal. The, if you can put batteries into the, all of the metal, so the doors, the roof, the floor, the glove box, like all that stuff, if you find this magic solid state thing that you can basically make the car out of 
the the energy thing, you vastly you know, increase the capacity of the car and the, the weight of the car theoretically could actually come down. So there's patents about that. And I didn't understand it when I first saw them. They're like showing like the door is the battery and the wheelhouse is the battery. And the, I don't think we're there yet, but that's the, that's get rid of the stupid metal and turn that metal into a structural thing and an energy storing thing. Very cool. Nicely, nicely done. So do you have anything else you'd like to say about JB and quantum scape, Mel, before we move on to the SC update? I'm just saying, I'm going to predict right now, I'm going to put a thousand dollars into this company. And seven years from now, I will have zero dollars <laughs> or more than zero dollars. Okay. That's yes, good to know. you should, could quote me on this, that. We should write this date down somewhere on a calendar that we'll remember, but we won't. So it doesn't much matter. Robert, it's time for you to shine, my friend. It is time for the ever so popular worldwide uh, fanatically followed supercharger update what do you have for us my friend i thought mel was going to be a lot more bullish on this and i wrote down buy five thousand dollars of this stock and now he says one thousand i'm like oh no i'm no no buy i'm gonna 5, buy five hundred dollars worth <laughs> buy five thousand and i will guarantee that seven years from now you will have zero <laughs> or more than zero that's how <laughs> confident i am on this Wow, yeah. that is that is quite the stock recommendation. You are the motliest of all the fools. I'm the Jim yeah. Kramer of this show. I'm just like I'm all over it. <laughs> You're well, the let's Kramer see. of this show, maybe. We, uh, <laughs> we lasted our show on the 24th of November, and it's now the eighth. So it's been just over two weeks, and. Uh, I didn't put in the number of open superchargers because I like to torture you guys every time we do a show, ask you, what do you think? But I gave you some clues. I put in the number under construction and permit, and I'll cover those in a second. But two very important superchargers opening in New Zealand, one in Auckland and one in Wangarai, which I'm pretty sure that's how it's pronounced, but I know EJ will laugh at me because she actually studies Maori. How many open superchargers are there, gentlemen? I will guess, I will guess that since the last time we did this show, there have been 24 new superchargers. 24. That's 24 for Tom, okay. 24. 24. Like, these guys are laughing just openly in this Zoom call at me. Just openly. Mel is just mocking me, and Joel is, has become his new mock mock buddy, mock, mm -hmm. mocker in, in, in crime. In please, mm -hmm. please, mm -hmm. Joel, go. What do you got, Joel? Um, I, well, I wanted Mel to go first. Oh, Melvis, Melvis, you go first. Uh, it's clear that there have been 125 new ones open since that, that's the, not the even show. possible to open half a supercharge you can't open half a supercharge anything's no. possible to anything's possible <laughs> joel um is this the closest without going over yes yeah you can, you're gonna go with one aren't you gonna <laughs> no i'm gonna go with 13 13 13 oh that's harsh that's harsh you just you just you just supercharger blocked mel oh well, all right i, I guess Robert, i could say uh, 12.6 what do you got? What do you <laughs> yeah. It's all Joel. It's all Joel. How would anybody have any doubts? It is uh, all Joel. Because, you know, 
Joel's probably in the background. I'm surprised, Joel, you didn't actually say 18 because I figured you're in the background already <laughs> calculating all of this ahead of time because you huh? are the guy who, who ended up at the head of your class for a reason. Well, 18 new it. superchargers and nice. they cover, they span all over the place. Norway, Hong Kong, Germany, Austria, New Zealand, Slovakia, the UK got three. And then we have, of course, a bunch in the, in the States, two in Utah, Washington, D.C. got a supercharger, two new ones in California, Georgia, Washington, and Connecticut. Very exciting. Uh, so this is a good, it's a good two weeks to get more than, uh, you know, just about one a day, practically. I think it's about a little more than one a day. And in construction, we've got nine that have entered into construction, including, hold it, Mel, Rome, Italy. Roma, nice. I love Roma. It's beautiful. <laughs> you got the pasta, you got the supercharger. I love it. I don't know what that was. Just don't get the pasta <laughs> on the supercharger. What? What accent was that even attempting to do? Uh, it's, it's like, not, you were knows. trying to be Italian. Were you trying to be somebody on vacation in Rome uh, from another uh, unknown or Europe, yeah. Eastern European block? Kind nobody of, knows. Nobody it was like knows, Scarface yeah. meets as the uh, Terminator. Yeah. It's, uh, nobody knows. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> not bad, not bad. I was going to ask, well, did you um, also do the Electrify America? You know, I've been looking to try and find the other... Level three, that's the, the fast charging network from the other guys, including uh, Charge America, including um, uh, Charge Point. And it's kind of a jumble. And it's not like anybody is putting out clear info. This info that I get uh, is thanks to supercharge.info. And they actually tweet me on every one of these updates. And nice. uh yeah, so I'm going to continue to do that. I started down that rabbit hole, but it, like I said, is pretty messy because they don't really keep that clear uh, tabs on it, and I don't know why. I mean, like, I think that all the other car makers, especially those that use the uh, Chatamo or the uh, CCS networks, should put some money in, and maybe they should send it to Talking Tesla and will write the software to keep track of this for all of the drivers of the people uh, of all the electric cars that can't use the Tesla superchargers. When you say so, William and Joel? No. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what it was last time, but maybe we maybe you guys can look up the last time we mentioned this. So right now on Electrify America's website, they have a station count and they have a charger count. They have uh, 520 live stations. They have 148 stations that are listed as coming soon. 1,752 CCS chargers. 516 CCS slash Chatamo chargers. And 107 level 2 chargers. That's on the electrifyamerica.com forward slash locate dash charger. Yeah, we don't really care too much about level two. There's a lot of level two chargers out there, and they're not really practical if you're going on a trip and you want to charge up quickly, unless you're going to stay, stay at a hotel overnight and leave your car charged in overnight. But yeah, that's, you know, so you're looking at 2,268 chargers. That's the plugs. That pales pretty severely in comparison to Tesla. So... um 
they, they're like a little toddler. They're just like, they're just, they're just finding their way. They're just, they're just rambling around, but they're going to get there. They're going to get there. And they're going to find when they're out in the middle of the desert, they might find some alien pods. You never know <laughs> what they could find in the desert when they're building their charger stations at Electrify America. By but comparison. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, I don't know if you guys knew this, but aliens are real. We've seen lately stories of unknown monoliths, and now we have the story from the Israeli space security chief. Who would like to discuss this information? I guess that's me. Joel? <laughs> yeah, so in, um, in jpost.com, a former uh, Israeli space security chief... Um, and I actually don't even have his name, uh, so I did I did a bad job here. Let me uh, just check that out. Um, said, I'll look it up while you're while yeah, you're talking. I'll do it. Um, said a couple things. Essentially, that the the world has known for a while that there's a um, there's there's aliens, and they've actually visited at least Israel in the United States. I don't know who else. Probably Holland. Maybe the aliens know where Holland is. And um, he's uh, he was a former chief, but he's also writing a book. So maybe this is this is part of this whole thing. And it uh, it's got my brother talking about this like crazy because he loves this stuff. So there's a, um, a something called the Galactic Federation, uh, and they've approached at least the United States and Israel um, to say that the uh, and you can pronounce his name for me. I am Ashed. Is that pronounced right? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with that. Yeah, that's okay. that pretty well done, in my opinion. Mel, how would you say that? It's too close to a bodily function. Please. I mean, I know how like like my people would say it. Chaimashed. Chaimashed. Okay. I like that. Chaimashed. I like that. I'm a shit. Not I'm a shed. Not I'm a shed, but Chaimashed. 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 Time to come in, I said. Oh, God. Uh, so Chaim said um, that um, one is that they've, they've approached, uh, but they don't want um, any of the countries to sort of uh, tell everybody about this yet because they think that there'll be uh, a global panic. Um, and but, but at the same time, they're telling everybody about it, Joel. Like that's, For his book, though, so and, that counts. And we, writing books we, about it. So we yeah. don't want anybody it's to know about It's a super secret thing, <laughs> but don't say anything. I don't think you're ready for my book in the New York Times bestseller list about aliens in the world. Um, and secondarily, uh, there is a secret base in Mars um, where apparently uh, the Earth forces and these galactic federation forces are are at. Um, and apparently he's, he's a very respected, uh, at least according to, to J-Post, which have you read that um, that that website before? Anybody on the call? Very respected, not anymore. Giuliani-like <laughs> in his respect. Yeah, if I could just say one word, it is lithium. So this story brings us full circle uh, <laughs> because this fellow needs his lithium. <laughs> <laughs> by the way as an aside lithium is a standard treatment for bipolar disease and if you mm -hmm. are manic and you are bipolar mm -hmm. and you are manic you say that doesn't make much sense and we don't want to make fun of people who are manic or bipolar no. or any of that other no. stuff that's not no. our intention whatsoever however but if we, we go should around recognize saying it. 
Kanye. That <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And others. That oh, we, Kanye. we should. Wow. Wow. We called somebody out by name on this show. That's great. And Kanye, because like, I mean, why would he care about what we're doing? Why would he come four miles from where he lives to murder all of us for no good reason? Because we talked about him. Not all of us. That's, three of us. That's great. Yeah. Uh, no, that's I was great. talking about Kanye East. He's a friend of mine. He lives down the road. Oh, Kanye. Uh, we talk Kanye, a lot about Kanye stuff. East. So, so, who you're talking so about. Chaim. According to Chaim, the state of Israel has A, made contact with aliens, mm-hmm. B, they've, they're part of a secret base on Mars with these aliens, that, that's sh- a shared base, the galactic, when you said the galactic, what did you call it, the galactic federation, federation. Yep. Are, is that run by the, the aliens, is that something we're, like what's the deal with that Well, one? I would guess it's a bunch of aliens, so like, okay, you know, you okay, pick a bunch of planets sense. that we don't know the names of. Now you're and just now, wildly like, supposing things. Has wow. this become? Is this your media pick, Joel, or is this a story? <laughs> hey, this is this is this is um, this is this is the stuff along with the um, monolith that's okay. taken storm. Now, I would say uh-huh. I would believe this story if uh-huh. we see a monolith on Mars. Yeah, if I see a monolith on Mars, I'm gonna I'm gonna be assuming that somebody's doing some pretty good Photoshop work. They they photographed the monolith right. uh, as it was being taken down in the Utah desert. Mm-hmm. Turns out it was made out of plywood and some other stuff. So no, not a huge mystery there. Like uh, somebody put it up. Uh, somebody with access to I don't know a Home Depot. So, I'm just saying if the not, Galactic not Federation is listening deal. right now. Uh-huh. If, if they put up a monolith, you know, in um, the track of, uh, is it Curiosity mm-hmm. that's out there right now? Um, sure, the, right it, there in front of Curiosity. Yeah, they put it in front of Curiosity, mm-hmm. and we see it, then I'll, I'll believe it then. How about instead, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. In, if you're, okay, if you're the Galactic Federation, and you're listening, and you're on Mars, and you happen to see our rover running around? I don't know. Stand in front of it for five minutes holding a sign saying, we're here. Like, don't put up a monolith that's super vague. Like, let us see what you look like. You don't want to scare I'm, us earthlings, though. I think but you remember, do you remember when the Mars rover first landed, somebody, uh, there was this big story about this lizard that ran over the top of the thing, and it, you got the video of it? There was a lizard. And half the people were like, oh my gosh, there's life on Mars. And then there were the other half of people like, uh, if there's lizards on Mars, um, we've got bigger problems. And it, was, it was totally <laughs> fake. It was clearly fake. But you could suck people into mm. that. If there's multicellular organisms on Mars, then basically the universe is teeming with this stuff because this is insane. Can, can we so- just... Can we so, just wait, hold on one second? There's one more sentence I really want to bring up please, before you say please. this. This is so there's a paragraph in this article in the J Post, which is the Jerusalem Post, and I don't know if that's the equivalent of their New York Post or their or their National Enquirer. I have no idea. But Escher provided more new more Ashed infor- provided more information in his newest book, The Universe Beyond the Horizon, along with other details such as how aliens have prevented nuclear apocalypse and when we can jump in and visit the men in black. This book is now available for sale. Anyways, Robert, I, I, don't, I don't even know how to begin to consider this conversation anymore. Well, the first thing is, I'm not going to cast dispersions, but whoever put this article in, 
I have second thoughts about. (laughs) And secondly, is there some way in all of this we can throw in a little bit of Strauss Strauss from the 2001 A Space Odyssey? Because it just feels like it should be playing in the background. Uh And, you know, that way our listeners can drop some acid and actually consider that what we're talking about makes any sense whatsoever. Okay, so we had all of these really exciting space stories. There's currently two, count them, two dragon capsules attached to the International Space Station. Something that actually exists. No, right? that's fake Something. news. That is fake news, but there are aliens on Mars that are preparing. <laughs> and there are people I don't that know, will believe that, that Mars thing. And won't believe uh, that the Earth is I don't know, round. Joel. So, and I think they're so the let's, same people. Maybe it's not let's, my best uh, edition talking <laughs> Tesla. No, no, no. It's it. I, I, you can get rid of the maybe, and, and we could just go. We could just. We could just go. We could just go from there. <laughs> I think that's really notable that there's two dragon capsules up there. That is very cool. But you know what's even cooler? No, Robert. Is what? that by the time our listeners will get this show? in their Mm -hmm. favorite podcast format, then SpaceX will likely have launched the Starship serial number eight. I was standing by all day today, watching and listening. They actually had a SpaceX feed up and it didn't go off. It went down to 1.3 seconds and they aborted it. You could see it because there was all of this coolant or whatever cold gases streaming out by the engines you could that was them getting the engines starting to rev up and then all of a sudden that stopped and a big uh plume shot out from the side of the ship because they were depressurizing it because the engines shut it down but tomorrow as early as 7 a.m uh pacific time that puppy could take off and do its amazing 50-ish thousand-foot flight, belly flop, and as Mel expects, boom. I wish I could capture the uh, childlike excitement of Joel and me and Robert as we're like, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And I'm at the same time going, and it's going to blow up, which is going to be cool. And then 1.3 seconds. And I was watching The Everyday Astronaut, which is a yeah, really great YouTube channel. And he's even more excited than we are. I mean, that guy is whizzing himself. It's like, this is not the most important space thing to happen this year, but it's going to be the best. And uh, it's going to blow up. He was giving it a 15% chance of uh, working and Elon gave it a 30% chance. If you get an opportunity tomorrow to get up early and watch this, watch it because it's going to go boom, boom. I'm pretty sure. So what exactly is the... What are they trying to do, Joel? Like, what is the plan for this particular launch that's about to happen, that almost happened, that will potentially happen? What is it that they want Starship 8 to do? They, well, they want to do a lot, really, but they, they want to test to see if they can start to do some of the things that they think that the Starship can do. Go up to 12 and a half uh, kilometers, um, then come back down, and then... Do a sort of a, a belly flop maneuver to slow itself down as it's falling. And then at the last second, while it's on this belly flop, flip over to its side and then land like we see um, other, other um, uh, the Falcon, the Falcon 9 land. There's a lot in there and it's a, the first time too. And 12,000, um, well, um, 12, 12 and a half kilometers is pretty high. Um, it's not as high as it was, but it's pretty high. And 
they need to test all this system. So once it goes up and it, um, uh, to the, the apogee, the 12,000, 12,500 feet uh, kilometers, it's going to uh, turn off the engines and it's going to come down and then it's going to have to relight the engines over pretty much over the pad and hopefully the engines relight so that they're testing that and they're testing the ability to relight the engines not with um um other fuels they're gonna have they're gonna have to light relight it with um their uh, I, I, it's almost like a sparker type thing be able to light that boom relight it will it relight most people think it's not elon gives it something like um a 33% chance of actually being able to do all of those different things. So a lot of it's things. It's a bit like, it's a bit like my barbecue, like the little button to relight. It never works. never works. If it's wet out, you know, you have to click it a few times and hopefully one of those times it works. But the reason why they don't use, I think they use something called T-Teb, but it's like a, I think it's a two-part or a one-part um, uh, propellant that will light. Um, they can't. They're not using that because if they're on the moon or on the on Mars, I was going to say on the Mars. So we can add that to my <laughs> bad expressions for today. They won't have extra of that fuel. Um, so they're going to use. They just need to use a lighter fluid um, or a little sparker, like Mel said, and be able to relight it. Come down, land on its. Uh, thing it'll be pretty exciting um and i think he's probably um sandbagging it a little bit um i bet it's a little bit higher than that but it could easily you know blow up the whole pad for sure so when and so now when's it gonna happen robert it's gonna happen tomorrow tomorrow is the next day uh starting at about seven o'clock pacific time it takes them a little Mm -hmm. while to get things ramped up they have to load it with fuel I keep an eye on both the SpaceX website and uh, Tim Dodd's Everyday uh, Everyday Astronaut website. Uh, they both have a YouTube up and running. And uh, I was just telling a couple of people today that if they pull this off and it actually lights, goes up, belly flops down, doesn't burn up in the heat tiles and the stainless steel work, and land without crashing and exploding like Mel is betting on, this could be one of the most uh, profound steps forward in space uh, colonization and space, yeah, space colonizations I mean, since, the, since the shuttle took off. That's how yeah, big this is. The Galactic is. Federation thinks they've already done a pretty much better <laughs> job than 12 and a half kilometer hop out of Boca Chica in uh, yeah, Texas. I'm, but I mean, you know, beyond that, I have a question impressive. about that. Did, did they come and pick up the humans that are on the <laughs> shared base on Mars? Because, you know, with social media, I'm interested in how they kept that from getting out. <laughs> with social distancing, so, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of a lot of good stuff happening in the in the maybe maybe they are actually there on Mars, and those aliens are saying, "Holy s, these damn humans brought this coronavirus over, and now we're all sick." Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I'm sure the Martians are like they're wearing the masks and the and the shields and the social. They don't understand why it's all been politicized so heavily. It's pretty crazy yes robert you have your hand up still yeah so i just wanted to to give everybody something to look forward to something to look up to in addition to the starship serial number eight and that is coming uh in a few more days 
you know, recently, if you've been looking at the sky, Jupiter and Saturn have been both up as the moon was rising. When the moon was full, there were these two bright lights alongside the moon, just to the right, I think, if you were standing where I was standing. And those were Jupiter and Saturn. And they're actually, their orbits are moving into such a position that by the 21st of the month, that is uh, 13 days from now, they're going to appear as one lumpy, like two dots. They're basically going to converge in the night sky. And that is going to be an amazing thing. And it hasn't been seen for a very long time. I think the last time, maybe maybe Mel was still alive back then in 1226. That's the last time yeah. this happened. I was so, in middle school. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Middle school. So they're going to appear in the sky as one lumpy two dots? Yeah, they're going to be what like... What the hell are you saying, Robert? Not, Seriously. <laughs> what is wrong with you people tonight? None of us... It's a, I mean, it's a scientific made, term. One lumpy two dots. And actually, I named lumpy, my first son that. Hey, one lovey two dots, come in. One lovey two dots. Okay, that's that's pretty that's pretty awesome. Now, will you be able? Will if you're somewhere in uh, doing astronomical research and you've got yourself a telescope on the top of a really dark mountain and you open it up, will you be able to see all of this, or will those pesky Starlink satellites get in the <laughs> way of your view? Because there's more of them up there, and Tesla is actively beta testing Starlink. And who would like to talk about that? Okay, no well, one. Like, that's really like great. To say that so it's this not is not Tesla; it's actually SpaceX. But that's me. Yeah, oh, I mean, that is that's, that's true. Space. Yeah, I apologize. You, that's you right. scared so me SpaceX, on that. Yeah, no. SpaceX it's... is in beta testing with Starlink, and according to this Reddit. They, the, so some gentleman has it. There's there's a bunch of information going back and forth about it, and they've been testing it. And basically, it was tested 15 miles away from his service address, and it was still working pretty good because there's some there's some back and forth as to whether or not Tesla's actually going to geolock uh, the Starlink service because the Starlink service is built very fundamentally for one purpose. It's built for like rural internet in a stationary for your home. And all of us have been like, Ooh, I want to put this on my car and I want to travel and I want to have internet wherever I am. And that's not really what this thing is built for. So there's, they don't know whether or not it's, they're ever going to let it work in that, in that way. But I will tell you that the FCC has this big rural internet initiative, billions of dollars. I think it's like nine or twelve billion dollars. And Starlink got nine hundred million of those dollars wow. to provide rural internet. And there's a bunch of articles you can look look for out there. And there's a lot of sort of consternation because they they feel like if they can't if Starlink doesn't work and the government spends nine hundred million dollars, those areas that Starlink was supposed to be serving are going to be that much farther behind getting broadband internet. Yeah, I wonder, I imagine that it's just a matter of how you license it because one of the purposes, one of the most important purposes of the Starlink was for ships, both warships and airships, like airplanes, to be able to stay connected. So, you know, if you put it on your vehicle and you drive around like you do, Tom, then I think that you should be able to use it. Maybe it's just a different licensing uh Method. Yeah, I don't know if that's a different part of the system that they're, you know, building like in concert or side by side or whatever, but 
but again, according to some articles that I've read, it, it's just it's early days in it, but they are they're getting some like hundred and fifty megabit like download speeds, and they think potentially ten percent of that as an upload speed, which would be pretty good and like 20 millisecond latency. So if they're, you know, and they haven't, they've only got what I think we're up to like 900, uh, Starlinks at this point in the, in the overall constellation. So pretty cool, but it's nice to sort of see it in the, in the wild. Again, you can buy an antenna for 500 bucks and it's 99 bucks a month for the service. So kind of interesting uh and it's 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 out there it's it's happening in the world but you do need a big open space and and there's a there's a youtube i put in here from this guy that's uh does the mobile internet research center and there's a starlink app and you take this app outside and it basically helps you look at your sky and see like will your area be good enough like you can't point it through trees it needs to see the whole sky because it's like constantly you know it moves around on its own and it's constantly moving from satellite to satellite so pretty pretty awesome stuff and on that note uh robert has another note there's a uh an app on my phone that i like using called night sky i actually pay for it not a free thing and when you open this thing up it makes a lot of noise because it plays all this ethereal music so i'm turning that off but i can look all around the sky uh from where i'm standing and uh, it will show me all these Starlinks flying around. So I see like Starlink 1155 and Starlink, I don't know, there's a, there's a ton of them. Number 75, you can actually look for them in the sky by just pointing your phone at them. So yeah, I use that when I'm camping. Both of, I use there's a couple of different there's a few apps out there, and it's really great for like finding constellations, which I don't know. I don't understand constellations. I'm not going to lie to you. They all look so random. You could have done anything, in my opinion, but. I, I guess, you know, back in the day they were cool, but it is time that is that your media pick, Robert, the star, whatever app. Uh, Ooh, this is great. One. Night sky. Yeah. It's a good media night pick. Sky. Night sky. Night sky. So Robert's media pick is the night sky app. And it's really, it is a lot of fun. It can show you. And if you're out, like we'd, we'd be out in the desert and kind of wondering why hasn't the moon risen yet? And you can see things below the horizon as well, which is actually quite cool. And you'll see, oh, the moon's almost going to break and you can kind of plan your night photography with it and stuff like that. So it's, it's very, very cool. Melvis. You have a media pick for the for the yeah. Feed, my the media people? pick is Ozarks, and um, Ozarks or Ozark. Uh, is it Ozark Ozark. or Ozarks? So it's a uh, singular. Either way, go on to Netflix. It's on Netflix. It's Jason Bateman who actually went to high school, literally twenty feet from where I am. He went to my son's high school, as did Lisa Kudrow and Ice T and uh, a whole bunch of people. It's all your buddies. In, um, all my buddies. And uh, I always think it's so it's so bizarre. Like it's just like a little high school in the middle of the valley, and all these famous actors and stuff went here. Yes, famous anyway. actors went to every high school in Los Angeles. But yeah, that's, that's kind of that that true. Works. Any L, any uh, high school in LA, there's probably some very famous actors. But uh, uh, I like him, and so I just like it because. It's not what you think. It's not like uh, we're talking about uh, hillbillies and banjos and that kind of stuff. It's a gentleman who is really good at finance and then makes a few poor decisions about how he's going to do a little bit of money laundering for the drug cartels from South America. And it starts poorly and then it goes down the hill. (laughs) Not the show. It's it's like Breaking Bad. It's like Breaking Bad starts poorly 
and then only gets worse. I'm just you gotta saying. watch it. You gotta watch Ozark it for is a at least three or four episodes before yeah. giving up because the beginning is very hard to watch. But then yeah. once you get hooked, so it's hard. Yeah, I love Ozark, and I think it's been a media pick a couple of times on the show already by yeah. several of us. So it's a it's a good one, and it actually reminded me. I don't think I finished watching it. I was saving that last season for a really long time, and then I was like, oh, uh-huh. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna binge watch it. So I actually think I may actually have an an episode or two of Ozark to watch. So I'm pretty pretty excited about that potentiality. So I'm gonna go uh, next. I'm gonna let Joel go last. Oh, Robert, did, is there? I was just gonna say one from? of the favorite quotes is "Burn the poppies." Burn the poppies. I didn't actually, I had one more media pick I'm going to throw in and that's industry on HBO. And it's, uh, it's another show that's not easy to watch, but it's amazing. It's really good. The characters are great. It's about finance in London and life among the young interns. Nice. Interesting. Well, I've, it's sort of lost now, but, uh, the thing, reason I like Ozarks is because, I find it's really interesting that people have choices in life and if they go this way, they have a boring life without hassle and it's fine. And if they go the other way, it can result in a cascade of events. And as a physician, I've spoken to a lot of people whose lives have fallen apart, Uh, IV drug users, uh, drug addicts, uh, homeless people. And when you actually sit down and talk to them as people and you're like, I completely relate to you. And then there was one moment where you made one wrong decision and it leads to a cascade of events. So that's why I think why I find these so fascinating because I'm like, there but for the grace of God go I. I could have been you. I could have been in the Ozarks money laundering for the drug cartels, <laughs> but I decided at one point not to do that one bad thing. There's something there, Tom. Yeah. Trust me. I know. I, I yeah. I feel you, man. I mean, again, like I, I, I for me that it, it, that resonates the way that you said that resonates because it's really what what gives me what I would refer to as like uh, chronic decision catatonia. Because like <laughs> I don't know which one of these decisions is gonna be the one that's gonna send me down the path where like if I do this, am I gonna end up living on the streets homeless for the next twenty five years? Or if I do this, is is nobody ever gonna talk to me again? And I'm gonna be you know like and 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 that's just like no i'm just gonna sit here and i'm gonna watch my media pics and i'm gonna go about my life and hopefully uh by making no decisions whatever decisions make we'll just call it fate it's like a light life of fate at that particular point like oh it just happened i didn't make that decision that decision was made for me so I'm just along in this thing for the ride. Uh, but yeah, he definitely Which is a made- great setup for our new podcast that we've got coming, Therapy for Middle-Aged People Who Are Really Anxious. Uh, coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. I would, I would subscribe and I could probably be on that podcast and probably do pretty well. Yes, Robert? You should just, one, at that one branch in the road, say no mm-hmm. to smoking methamphetamines. Let me just give you that one. <laughs> Hold on, wait. So, so that's a good piece of advice. Say no to smoking methamphetamine. Okay, that's great. That's that's super super good to know. So now my media pick is 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 a podcast that wasn't really a podcast. So, uh, it's called the Social Life of Forest, and it's basically uh, this this story written by Ferris Jobber, and and there's this company called Autumn A U D M, and they 
are a startup and they basically take long form journalism and they turn them into like audible, like audiobook type situations. So this particular episode was recently on the daily. My friend Paul sent it to me and I listened to it this morning. And the story beyond the social life of Forrest is they've done a lot of research into the fact of like the mycelium and fungus underneath the soil that the trees kind of use to communicate with one another and the forests use to like move resources about is what they, they sort of believe. And, and they've done all of this research and, and how they clear cut forests. And, and it's, it's super, super fascinating. I'm really into this type of stuff. And uh, they go out into the field and you see them digging up tree roots and it, it probably ties a lot into what the, the Berlin Gigafactory thing. So it's all kinds of like really interesting information. I think you've mistaken this for Avatar. That's a different <laughs> <Yeah>. thing. <laughs> but it's just, but that whole theory is 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 true. Like they really do believe like forests forests that they don't clear cut do much better or, or don't do as good as forests where they leave some of the old growth trees. And so as soon as the seed starts to germinate, it ties into this network and the other trees can kind of help it along its way it's pretty fascinating stuff man it's a it's a great podcast uh it's not too long i think it's like 45 minutes or maybe a little bit less than that uh and i i really am very thankful that my friend paul sent it to me and it you know ties in forests and it ties in all of this other cool stuff science and and stuff like that have we have we talked on this show about the documentary fantastic fungi we probably haven't, but that could be your next media pick, Robert. Joel had a comment based on, I believe, what I was talking about as well. Well, this, yes, yeah, it, it was more of a link, and then we, we'll get back to you, Robert. I was just going to say, can you put a link to that podcast? Um, yeah, in I'll the notes, yeah, um, and uh, you know, send it to EJ, and we can put it in the notes. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, that's a good one. I will, I will do that. Okay, Robert. Yeah, sorry, I'll throw sorry. in, I'll throw in the fantastic fungi as well because it's exactly the same thing talking about the mycelium and how all of the forests are held together and communicate over vast distances, which is also a link to the, the, the TV show Star Trek Enterprise, which I think is the most recent Star Trek entry in which the mycelium connects the entire universe, universe. with yeah. ultra with alt other universes that are mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's like parallel and multiverses, and it's all connected through with the mycelium, which initially got me really confused, but uh, I managed to... And they uh, use the water bear, too. What, what is the other name for the water bear? The little... Um, oh, the tagaderms. The ter yes. Ted, ted der, ta ta tagad tardigrades. 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 They're the ones. <laughs> yeah. Love yeah, pretty pretty cool. It's, it's, it was, but if you think about the... Yeah, but if you think about the way that, li like, the real logical way that life forms from other places get on Earth, right? It's meteorites and things like that. What do they do? They slam into the ground. They can plant, you know, they can seed it with all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, theoretically, that stuff, that stuff could be alien, right? I mean, obviously, everything on this planet at some point is alien because it all came from the Big Bang and, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff if you believe in, the, in that sort of thing. So it came Joel's from the galactic... Uh, federation in fact galactic federation. <laughs> they did all that it's, it's not accidental dude come yeah, on no that's that's true what do you got for us joel so um did anybody do uh queen's gambit because uh-huh somebody did queen's yes, gambit did. already yeah we did okay it's so good just, though you can you that's can great go for it it's no great. well i happen to see it but um but the reason why i picked two is because i had a feeling somebody had done it and so and somebody probably did the second one too i'm guessing then 
player of games. Um, yeah, that's I like think one of Elon's done, favorite but... books. I did that yeah, one a, while, so, like a year ago. Um, oh, you did. It's, it's one of the ones that I've been trying to um, sit down and read, um, and I finished it uh, uh, a couple nights ago, um, but they're kind of similar in a lot of ways. Um, so The Queen's Gambit um, is on um, on Netflix. Um, it's definitely worth watching. It's about a, a woman um, in the, well, it's set back, I don't know what it was. It's set in like the sixties, early sixties. Um, and she makes a run at, um, the international, um, chess championship and great thing. And folks have talked about it before. I'll leave a link in the, the show notes, but, um, also, uh, the player of games is, a um, is an amazing book, uh, from Ian Banks. Um, and, it's about a, a a guy that um, also is a, a a proficient player of of a game that sounds a lot like chess but way more complex. Um, and he goes, uh, he's sort of caught in a um, in sort of like a cheating scandal, let's say, and um, is forced to go to another planet, much far further away. It's set in a a time period that's pretty far from now, um, for sure in highly advanced time where he needs to play uh, a game and it, the, his whole sort of, um, his personal galactic federation, which is called the, the, the culture hangs in the balance in some ways. It's a, it's a really, really interesting book, kind of an interesting way to think about it is let's say uh, autonomous driving goes really well, right? And thousands and thousands and thousands of lives or millions of lives are saved. And we have this sort of beneficial AI. What are the other things that this beneficial AI could do? And the culture, um, this it's sort of a combination of humans and really smart artificial intelligent beings work together to create a uh, a government. And then it's a not only an, a, a, a planetary government, but it's multi-planetary. Um, and it it's sort of an interesting way to sort of think about a different way to think about how things could go. So I'm, I've started on a, another book in the series uh, and it's, it's a, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting, but this is where um, some of the names um, for the drone ships have come from. Uh, of course, I still love you is in this book. Um, and what's the other one? Um, uh, do you remember the, uh, the, it's not you, it's me. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, that should be. I, I bet that's one. One. There's so many names, but essentially, because they're AI, they get to pick their own name, and that's where they pick their. You know, that's how it's sort of picked the name. One is um, um, the limit. The limiting factor as well. But uh, it's a it's a really good book. Uh, I definitely recommend it. Um, I can't. I, can, I don't know if I can recommend it more. I, I I definitely have been thinking about it a lot since I've read it. So I think that's. The sign of a good book. All right. Now it's time. This is the time of the show where Mel actually is going to get to shine. It's going to be like he doesn't even probably know that it's about to happen, but it's about to happen. We're getting into the letters. The first letter, the first letter is from a gentleman whose name I can't pronounce, but you can. And he's Australian, Mel. So please, please read Leche's letter. Lecky. <laughs> okay. And if it was O, it'd be Lockie, mate. It'd be Lockie. And if it's an A, it's a Lackey. 
And he's like, okay. G'day uh, from Australia, mates. Uh, loving the show. Was wondering if uh, one or more of you could tell me uh, what the hell happens with the uh, F and Falcon Wing booster when it's returned from the sea. What's the process of getting ready for your reuse, mate? Do you like do you have a couple of beers and uh, you know clean up around the undercarriage and then you're off? Uh, what's the situation there, mates? Anybody? Yeah, Anybody? well, they get a hose and they hose it down. <laughs> <laughs> couple of rags dry it off i don't know what the process is my guess is that they like take all the tubes off and replace anything that could kind of the seals and and the o-rings and all that other stuff that you hear only when you're talking about spacey type stuff uh they probably clean up the carbon and and then they probably run a bunch of pressure tests and and stuff like that. I know that when we uh, used to go with Robert to uh, those couple of times we went to the SpaceX in Hawthorne, he talked about like that was kind of early days in that process, and he and he told us a little bit about it, but I don't remember the the entire details. But my guess is there's a lot of like there's probably some like expendable parts, and then the rest of the stuff they just clean it, but they don't have to rebuild it all from scratch, which is pretty amazing. But that's a that's a great question there, Lackey. Get on your mate. And and your 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 uh your uh your accent was just spot on right there, dude. Like you totally nailed that one. Yeah, I totally nailed it. Crikey. It's like one of those one of those wheelhouse ones. The next uh letter is from Steve Thane, uh, and the subject is autonomy and a sped up transition. Listening to Elon's interview this week, he anticipates the point where all new cars are EVs. EVs will take 20 years to transition the entire fleet at current production levels. What is missing, though, is the transition to driving as service. And we've talked about this, the robo-taxis and such and, and stuff like that, which could mean the total global feet, fleet only needs to be a fraction of the current numbers for the same utility. So from that understanding, if we only need 20% of the fleet, the transition could happen in four years from the point where current car production is 100% EV. What do you guys think? I mean, there's there's a little bit more. So I guess the question, you know, he talks about like capital investment. Do you think we're nowhere near that kind of 20% point anyway? So I think ramping up capital investment is still many, many years off. But I wonder, you know, what you guys think in general about uh, Steve's letter and, and his thinking here. I think it's pretty interesting. We'll start with you, Joel. Sure. Um, so it's actually a great question. Um, you know, he's asking... Is there a dilemma between scaling up for sort of personal use versus um, scaling sort of down because of autonomy? You're going to need less cars if if autonomy completely takes over. So, I mean, in some ways, I think that Tesla, Elon is sort of betting on both sides of the fence in some ways. Perfectly happy. I think he could still make 20 million cars for a while if that's his goal and they could still be autonomous, it's just going to crip, it's going to collapse the car industry in terms of total volumes produced a year, something like 90 million cars are produced a year. So I, I would agree that that would collapse that. Um, but in terms of the, uh, the amount of money that they could make per car that goes up from, you know, goes up from, let's say, three or four grand in profit on a car to uh, something like $300,000 per car. So even though you'd be, you'd be losing um, full capacity on your, on your production, you'd still be 
uh, making a great deal of money. So I think either way, um, they do fine. And Elon's never shy about um, sort of uh, sort of making something that he just built um, obsolete. So I think that's I think that kind of says it in a nutshell. But I know Robert has more to add on that. Yeah, I was just thinking that uh, that that as cars go autonomous and driverless, there's going to be a surge in demand because especially with the current coronavirus out there, nobody's riding or very few people are riding the bus. I mean, I live near a transport hub at the end of the metro line here in uh, Santa Monica. And so I pass, I don't know, five or six buses on most days. And some days it's 20 buses as I'm walking around the neighborhood. There, I'm, I'm surprised if there's more than five people on the bus, including the driver. And these are huge buses. They're very heavy. They're using a lot of fuel. They use natural gas, but still they're spewing out a lot of carbon. It's a mess. And so if you could ride in a private car, uh, just the same as you could on a bus, to go to your job, wouldn't you? Or maybe you'd willing to pay twice as much and you have the complete convenience of having it pick you up when you want it. Yes, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a, you know, I think probably that's the case. Um, and, and I think his last thought in this letter is basically like, does this does this mean this this quest towards autonomy, this quest towards fully electric, uh, you know, as it pertains and, and includes autonomy? Does that mean that we could theoretically, you know, at some point the, the two are going to meet and then we could ramp up the conversion to full EVs? Like maybe his point is and, and maybe we've talked about this in the past as well, is that like if you can get to full autonomy at the same time as you're getting really maximizing the cost effectiveness of, of making battery powered cars, you can transpose all of this on top of transportation much quicker, right? So we don't need to replace 300 million cars with EVs. We only need to make 50 million EVs, right? And that means that that overall transformation from ICE to EV could be actually exponentially sped up due to autonomy right like as opposed to what we you know when we first started this show we were like oh my god they need to make 300 million cars they need 100 gigafactories right that may not be the case if the robo taxi you know model is a thing yeah joel um to add to that um and maybe this is a horrible analogy you guys tell me um in the, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> um, in the '90s and the early 2000s, like uh, uh, large companies owned private jets, um, and then right after the recession, it started moving towards um, a service where you ne- you never actually owned the jet, but you just you just bought time on the jet and you you went to wherever you did and you never owned it, and that market took off so that almost no companies now own their own jets they actually sort of just lease them and then they just or just buy actual literal time on the on the plane but they're still personal vehicles and and that happened within seven years from like a you know in terms of like disruptive sort of look and i think the same sort of thing is going to happen 
in uh, with cars, we just don't know exactly when that'll be. Maybe it's at, starts in 2030 and then the market comes down from there. I think you've actually totally nailed this for me, Joel, for like the first time. I think like that model, that transportation model, you're right. It has completely changed. The, like those are those are huge businesses now, like the NetJets and the and all of those other uh, companies. And, and I think you're seeing. I mean, not, those are it's it's a little bit different, but it's not a whole lot different because it is people that used to buy a jet and have it sit there for twenty, you know, eighty percent of the time, and maybe they would spend the maybe they would have chartering and they'd list it with another charter company to try to make a little bit of money back or whatever but i think you're right i think that's the perfect analogy to this and i think that does show that robo car taxi whatever you want to call it autonomous vehicle availability probably will be that super transformative technology that we sort of think it will be and i think that's that's probably evidence of its of just like the germination of it in a lot of ways. Oh, so Joel's the smart one. Whatever. Well, I mean, he's the smart one for that particular thing. And the last, uh, there's a, there's a question in here from JC. I don't know if we asked this question. It's a question for Joel, Mr. Smarty pants. It's uh, one more question about the 4680 cells. Will they be glued directly to an upper and lower plate and I assume those plates will not be conducting current. Do you understand how the wiring of the cells will be separated from the plates? And no, I don't. I meant to look something up, and I, I'm not I'm not 100% sure. Um, so, my, JC, you can tell Joel doesn't care about you. He doesn't care yeah, about I should have, I should have looked that up. Um, I actually asked somebody who knew, and he said, hey, look over <laughs> here, and I never did. Um, okay. my, my initial feeling is, is that they're, um, mechanically glued together, um, and the plates act, uh, um, are structured in such a way that they're not only, um, mechanically, but electrically linked, but Z, well, so his email is actually Zorglub, but then he puts on the bottom JC, um, he and I have been emailing back and forth, but I'll, I'll, I'll get you. Um, actually, I'm going to recommend to everybody to go to um, Sandy Munro's site, uh, site. He has a he did something right around Thanksgiving, which I missed, where he talked about this exact thing. So he's built the prototype cell or I'm sorry, a prototype. Let's call it pack for a better word. Um, and and sort of said, here's how it's going to work. I didn't get to see that. Um so I sort of have my own ideas about how it would work, but I, I recommend as a, a secondary media pick to go and look at that one. Yeah, they're not going to be able to glue the batteries directly to the the frame of the car because they need to use the the ends of the battery for the cooling and the heating, the, the H, HVAC, if you will, system to keep the batteries in their narrow range of uh, of usability. So... It's a little more complicated than that, but definitely they're planning on trying to make the batteries part of the structure of the next vehicle. Yeah. So uh, the one thing I would say that we do have a good sense for is that it will have um, well, pretty good sense for is instead of the serpentine um, sort of tubes that are in between cells that right. we see in the Model S, X, Y, and 3, um, 
we'll we'll see a plate um and probably the bottom plate will be the cooling plate um and the design of the the tabless the tabless design which really is sort of like more like a tab full design it has multiple tabs um yeah. that that sort of setup allows it to be really cooled really well we also know that um from other things that tab cooling the if you cool sort of on the the major axis it actually cools it better than cooling it from the sides of the cell so we're 100 sure that bottom plate is probably going to be a cooling plate but again go see sandy and uh and i'll look at that as well so i don't know if you guys caught that but joel said we're 100 sure that the bottom plate is probably, probably yeah very very nicely done and and robert so uh, you have a comment on this and i'm going to let you lead that right into the last letter and apparently you've been having a conversation with another member of the uh, Aussie or the uh, not the Aussie the Kiwi contingent uh, of listeners on this show. So yeah, I put please, in Robert, I put in his official I put in John's official uh, title so you you didn't have any comments because it's funny uh, he always gets comments. His name is John Fitness. That is his name. We actually interviewed his kids but never used it. Uh, they're really crazy cool kids. We have that recording somewhere sitting in the archives, but uh, they came to California. They were at one of the uh, Tesla owner club gatherings in San Jose, where we went to the, to us, to uh, the Fremont factory and hung out for a few days. And so he's getting ready to do a Guinness world record trip in New Zealand, where he's the president of the New Zealand Tesla owners club, where they're going to start from the Northern tip of New Zealand, a place called Cape Renga. And they're going to start at 5 a.m. and drive for a day, a day and a half until 10 p.m. the following night. And they're going to end up at the southernmost point of New Zealand, uh, Bluff, New Zealand, at 10 p.m. the following day. And uh, they're, they're very excited and they're going to be enabled. This is really belonged up in the supercharger announcement section because the Tesla opened up these three new superchargers along his route, which really made this capable. They're also going to use a, uh, a hypercharger in Bombay, Auckland, which is like a 300 kilowatt charger. Uh, I guess he's got the right adapters or what have you for doing that. And so he's very excited. He's going to do this in February, which is their warm time because it's in New Zealand. It's down under. And I look forward to, uh, to giving an update come February. So, so, okay. I mean, I'm sure he's a, he sounds like a lovely person and I'm sure we've, we've had a lovely conversation in our time. The record that he's trying to set is this, and he quotes, and I quote him, <laughs> shortest time charging from Cape Renga to Bluff in an electric vehicle. That's a very specific, <laughs> that's a very, that's a very specific record attempt. And is it, He's looking to set this record because they just opened these three superchargers. Like the shortest time charging. It's, no, actually, like if you've read it wrong, it's shortest time charging from Cape Ringa to Bluff by somebody with a very weird name. <laughs> oh, oh, that makes way more sense. That makes, that makes way more sense. That makes way more sense. Well, he wanted to be responsible. He didn't want this to be a cannonball run where they're driving uh -huh. at breakneck speeds and being 
un, unsafe because okay. he's got two young kids and he, you know, he represents the brand through the clubs and, and, uh, okay. so he's doing it so I'm that a- it's going to get the kind of press that shows that EVs make uh, reasonable or even a, a benefit to traveling. It's going to be a clean how travel. How far okay. is this? It doesn't say how far it is. How how many miles are we talking from it's the be top of New Zealand over to the bottom a thousand. of New Zealand? It's, it's got like to be a over thousand. a thousand miles. 1,500 miles. A thousand maybe. miles. So three hours of charging in 1,500 miles. That's a pretty cool little proof of concept, actually, when you think about it, right? Because like, if you were to drive, if I was to drive 1,500 miles in my truck, I'd have to stop five or six times each way uh you know to to be able to do that and that would probably be 20 minutes a pop or whatever so you're looking at an hour and a half probably of of, of time you know like obviously if you're fueling but like it's, it's three 2, hours thousand kilometers and yeah. it's that means it's about 1600 miles i think Something like that. Wow. That's yeah. pretty you guys are pretty close. So that's or pretty 1200 good. I mean, three, miles. Twelve hundred miles. So to be able so be able to drive twelve hundred miles and sixteen hundred kilometers. Three. I got two thousand and sixty eight kilometers. <laughs> Do I hear okay, we had two thousand one kinds of numbers. I'm gonna say twenty one hundred and eighty three kilometers, but it doesn't matter because I don't know what kilometers how that translates into miles and it's not an accurate number anyway. So like if we're all just throwing out numbers, then that's cool. We can we six can do miles. That. But I but I think the point is that's pretty cool, actually, to be able to drive that far and only charge for three hours. Yeah. It tells you something about the technology, right? It tells you something about, like, we know Teslas are ready for prime time, and hopefully he'll get the kind of press, and everybody else will say it's it's Teslas are ready for prime time. And the interesting thing is he's doing it in a standard range. Yeah. A vehicle, which is pretty cool. So good, good, good on you, mate. As 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 Mel would say, but I don't know if you say that to Kiwis. Like I may have just insulted fitness, no, John. No, you don't say that in uh, New Zealand. I believe you say good on you, fortune chups. It's <laughs> only only about three people in the world are going to understand that. Too. <laughs> All right, well that's it. We've this show is over. At first, when I when we started like an hour into it, I thought, man, we were going so so quickly through all of this content, and now uh, two and a half hours later, we're finally done. We're finally done with this show. And I will say, gentlemen, again, it's been a pleasure talking with you, talking at you, uh, making fun of you, being made fun of by you. All of the things that Talking Tesla brings to my life every single week. Um, I'm appreciative uh, for all of your uh, work as it involves that. I'm very appreciative of the listeners. And uh, what do you gentlemen, what would you gentlemen like to say as your goodbye greetings? Can we... I'd like to say, can we shut up? Can we be done now? <laughs> we can. Let's shut Keep up. Keep your Let's mask on show. We'll, and be safe. We'll talk to you in some amount of days from today. Yes. All right. That's it. Peace out. Bye-bye.